All right, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This week, have I got an episode for you, and have I got a guest for you. You know, first off, let's get to the guest, because this is either... Uh, he falls in both categories. Most everyone's favorite guest and everyone's and the most I have the, the best and the worst guest is according to some people. <laughs> I've got Bruno McDonald, the author of 666 songs to make you bang your head until you die all the way in South Africa. How are you, Bruno? I'm doing really well, Uncle Steve. Thank you so much for having me back on the show, especially after I managed to annoy so many people every time I'm on your show. I, I, I don't mean to. I mean, I love all you guys, and I'm not trying to like stir it up, honest. And and I'm so grateful to you for having me back, and uh, to everyone who listens to the the Iron Maiden Zone for actually putting up with me, basically. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's plenty of times where they they don't like putting up with me either. So they're stuck. They're stuck with us. Yeah, we're like uh, we're like two thirds of the Three Stooges. So. <laughs> You know, I, I was going to ask you about your other book really quickly. It's called um, 100 Things to Do in a Forest. You remember that one that you wrote? Yeah, yeah. That was the first one which uh, my publishers sent to you. And you were trying <laughs> to figure out if it was a, a joke or not. And then um, yeah. and, and I think I, I remember you saying that um, that Eddie, you, you pointed out that Eddie was a tree on Fear of the Dark. And so maybe that was where the connection was. But yeah, that was that's one of the weirder <laughs> things that happened in our relationship. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, this guy really stretches. He's he's taking Fear of the Dark album cover and making a a whole book about the forest. <laughs> yeah, I was. I remember getting that. And I remember you're like, yeah, the book you should get any day. And I got the package. I was like, oh, cool. And I opened it. It was like, and and there's one of the. I looked through it, you know, and I've shown my daughter, and you know, like like one of the things is like basically taking a crap in the forest is something. It's one of the 100 things you can do in a forest. <laughs> So it's pretty yeah, it's funny really, stuff. So I think I think we can all say that you've really learned something with that book. Yeah, I, I've actually used that bit of information. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, first off, uh, I know we've chatted here for a little bit, but I always like to uh, thank you for coming back on because I I love having you on. I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. So this week, uh, as people have already seen, if they looked at the title. We're going to be ranking the best and worst or the the our best and least best of Dave Murray written or co-written songs.
So I guess he's only written one. I'm doing uh, quotation marks with my hands. He's only written one by himself because technically I don't think he wrote that one by himself, uh, which was uh, Charlotte the Harlot. But if you really dig into the history, but if we're going just by what the Iron Maiden album says, then he did co- he did write that one by himself. But we're going to go and we're going to rank, uh, as usual, we're going to rank the top 11. We always got to do a spinal tap 11 on things. I, I don't... I don't like doing a. T- I like a top ten, but a top eleven is it's like they ask them on that spinal tap. You, know, why is it eleven? Because eleven's one better, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And then of course we'll rank the least best, which is always the. It's not always the controversial part, but you know usually there's con- with me and you there's controversy on both ends of it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll get right into it here. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think if I have any questions. I mean, obviously we both we both know who Dave Murray is. We got into Iron Maiden and we, he's the guitar player. Um, so let's uh, let's get right into this. Uh, we'll start with our number. 11. We'll do council's order. You know, the, the counselor over in Northern Ireland will uh, sick his watchdogs on me. If I, if I do anything else here. So, so Bruno, let's start right now. Your number 11 uh, favorite or best Dave Murray written songs. Well, before I get into my number 11, I've got to ask you a question that you normally ask me. And it's uncle Steve, are you sitting down? Oh boy. Of course. Yeah. I know, I know you're going to have some crazy stuff on here, but uh, I am sitting down. So let's, let's, and, let's, uh, and, and uncle uh-oh. Steve, do you, do you have a stiff drink? I have a bottle of whiskey right next to me. Should I open it? <laughs> I think you should. I think, and, and I think on this occasion, you're actually going to want to crack that whiskey to actually celebrate because, um, like every time I've been on your show, um, I've, I have always tried to be fair, but I've not always had the nicest things to say about the Blaze era. Okay. And uh, today, uh, we're going to go straight into my list with a Blaze era song. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, my number 11, uh, co-written by Dave and Steve from the Virtual 11, uh, from Virtual 11, is Lightning Strikes Twice. Wow. Very I know. nice. Very nice. Yeah. We, uh, we uh, when we did, you and I, at the end of last year, we did an episode where we were ranking all the Iron Maiden epics. Yeah. And we talked, uh, we talked on that episode about um sign of the cross really signaling where the band were going to go musically even once bruce returned sure and i think i think lightning strikes twice not not to the same extent but lightning strikes twice is also another example because it's a real bridge between the two bruce eras it's got uh, like an old school flavor but it also sounds like maiden as we know them now um Mm -hmm. in the in the second bruce era um when, when they're playing harder and faster um and uh I know we're talking about Dave, but I really, I've, I've got to say, I think this is one of Blaze's best vocals. Um, okay. he, he does actually sound, I think this is one of one instance where he actually sounds a bit like Bruce Dickinson. And and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way at all. I think that, I think, you know, that that's the voice that we associate with Maiden. And um, so, although I wouldn't rank lightning strikes twice alongside say the and which follows it on the Virtual 11 album, is definitely one of the songs that deserves more recognition. Okay, yeah, you're you're, you're starting off with a bang here. I definitely, definitely wasn't expecting that. Very good, very good. And and I and I will say something that um, we discussed before. 
as far as a top 10 is pretty easy because, because there's a lot of really good songs that he has written and co-written the bottom five. I struggled with because there's not a lot of bad songs and, and I'm not counting, you know, we, there's a couple of songs that are like B sides that are kind of goofs and, and I'm not even counting those. So, wow. I, you're, yeah, I am sitting there, you know, and while you were doing that, I poured myself a shot of whiskey. <laughs> so I, I, I literally have it right here in my hand. I'm, I'm not going to drink it yet. Cause it's my turn to say something. So cool. And, and I'm not a big whiskey drinker. I, I just have a little, it's a, you ever heard of fireball? Uh, I, I've only heard of fireball, the deep purple album, not fireball, the whiskey. It's a whiskey and it, it's cinnamon whiskey. So did, did you ever have the candy growing up where it was like a, the, the, the round red candy and you put it in your mouth and it's just like, just cinnamon. It's just like, yeah. a, it's like that basically is it tastes kind of like that, but it's a whiskey. And, um, I'm not really much, I've tried different alcohol all my life and I'm not a big drinker. Like when I tried that, I was like, okay, I can handle that. It's, it's, it's not, it, the taste isn't so the, the cinnamon, which isn't my favorite, but the cinnamon takes care of the whiskey taste. So I don't know that it does anything for me because I don't drink more than a one shot of it at a time, but uh, I, and- I can't wait until the next time that you're at a kiss show. And they and they they drag up like cold gin in the set list, and and Paul Stanley's going. I know there's a lot of you out there who like the taste of alcohol. <laughs> you're feeling down in the dumps. What is it? And you're saying, and you're and like everyone else is shouting cold gin, and like, you're shouting cinnamon fire! biscuit, fireball, fireball. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, you need something to bring you up. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that from the Animalize Live, you know. That was my first ever seeing Kiss Live was seeing that uh, video. So, okay, so let's let's get back here. Um, I'm, I'm. You'd think the whiskey had already taken a hold of me. <laughs> I haven't even tasted. So now this is going to be. Uh, I already know one person that's going to be upset with this song being in my top ten. Um, person's name is Kirsty, uh, who I unfortunately. You asked me earlier, did I get a list from her to, uh, you know, balance us out here? I, I don't know why I didn't think about getting a list from her. I just forgot. So, I think we can like pretty much assume that, like, you know, if you if you take the opposite view from whatever you and I are saying, then that's, that's what Kirsty thinks. That's her list. Uh, because we're we're just like the naughty schoolboys, and she's the one who's like she's like the power behind the throne. Who just rolls her eyes at us the whole time. So yeah, you know, yeah. God bless her. I, I hope she enjoys this episode, and I hope she doesn't have to like, you know, th- throw something at her laptop because because we annoy her so much. Right, right. Let me let me ask you real quick, and I've probably asked you this before, so you're going to probably say you've already answered this. Kirsty grew up in um, uh, Oxford, right, in England. Yeah. Where yeah. where did you grow up, and how far would that have been from where she grew up? Uh, it's, it's nowhere near, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, it's not the other side of the country or anything, but I, I grew up, um, in, uh, in East London, uh, around the Leytonstone area, which is the same as where the band began. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Kirsty coming from Oxford means that she's possibly richer, but definitely more posh than I am. <laughs> so she's like the Bruce Dickinson of our podcast. She kind of a little more posh. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad trait. That's not a bad thing to say. Okay. So let me. As I'm about to offend her with my number 11, let me uh, 
let me just get into here. My number 11, it comes from, uh, a, sorry, it's early in the morning. I'm trying to c- collect my thoughts here. And I, I promise I haven't had any whiskey yet. <laughs> my number 11 comes from the 2003 album, Dance of Death. It was co-written with Steve Harris. And it, of course, it is one of Kirstie's least favorite songs from that album. Age of Innocence. Uh, I really, it's got a good intro. Um, and there's even, to make this song a million times better, is last night when I was listening to it, um, have you ever heard the Nico McBrain uh, version of this? The Nico McBrain version of Age of Innocence? Yes. What, like you, a solo version? You've never heard this. Okay, hold on. No. <laughs> well, it's it's a B-side. So let me uh, let me turn it. I'm just going to play it real quick because as soon as I started playing it to listen to it and, and last night, my, my daughter started singing this. Because... You never heard this? I haven't, no. This is, I think this is the part. The next line is the one my, my daughter likes. If for no reason it's a it's a B side to something I don't know what the, what the B side is but it's so funny to listen to him he gets lost in the song and he's you know just most of it he's not really singing but he tries it's just you know his personality is just so good but yeah, um maybe uh, maybe Kirsty prefers that version to the Dance of Death version I, I think she does I asked her have you let your daughter hear, hear that and she's like no I said I said because Sarah loves it. As soon as I started playing it last night, though, to hear it, like just go, okay, let me let me let me jot something down here. And as soon as the, my daughter's like, I can't be compromising. And as soon as Bruce started singing, she kind of looked at me like, oh, it's the real one. <laughs> she, she wasn't very happy. But yeah, my number eleven, Age of Innocence from Dance of Death. So sorry, Kirsty, but not sorry. So number ten, Bruno. What do yeah. you have at number ten? Number ten. Um, I, I was listening to uh, the Fear of the Dark album recently, and mm-hmm. it's it's not an album that I ever listened to at the time. At the time, I'd kind of fallen out of love with heavy metal in general, and so Maiden mm-hmm. got kind of swept up in that. So I've I've sort of come back to Fear of the Dark retrospectively, and there's actually uh, there's some pretty good stuff on there. I was I was expecting that No Prayer and Fear of the Dark. I was expecting them to be a lot worse than they actually than they actually are. Mm-hmm. And kind of what surprised me about Fear of the Dark is that it's it to, to me it feels like the the album where they where they detoured most often into kind of like generic heavy metal and yeah. uh, which is kind of strange because they they were doing it at like the wrong point because they were doing it post you know post <laughs> and post um, post you know Pearl Jam and stuff so like sure. if they were going to make like a really generic metal album then like about three or four years earlier would have been would have been 
like the more appropriate time to do it. But uh, you know, you and I, we we grew up with that. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to be cruel, you could say we grew up with that really generic '80s metal. And so I actually <laughs> feel I feel quite nostalgic about that stuff. So oh, yeah. when when they do that on Fear of the Dark and they they start ripping off ACDC, which they do on um, From Here to Eternity, they do it on The Apparition, and they do it on Chains of Misery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you can you can say, oh, well, it, it kind of sounds a bit goofy and it sounds very dated in a way that earlier Maiden stuff doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I, I like it. And my, so my choice from Fear of the Dark for number 10 on my list is um, is Judas Be My Guide. Ooh, yeah. and, uh, it takes its cue from uh, Bruce's song um, Son of a Gun on Tattooed Millionaire, where the line is, uh, take me to Jesus with Judas, my guide. Um, yeah. But yeah. but. Cool. It, yeah, Judas Be My Guide uh, is only three minutes long, and I think Son of a Gun is like six minutes long or something. <laughs> it is. And, yeah, and it's, you know, so J- Judas Be My Guide is it's half the length of Son of a Gun, but it's twice as good. And uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, a, it's another song, you know, a kind of like, I, I, think, I think we're going to be saying this a few times because, you know, Dave Murray's songs, um, you, you, you know, you, you it's it, 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 off the top of our heads. I think all of us, you know, you, me, Kirsty, and probably anyone who listens to the show, we've probably all got like our very set um, Steve Harris uh, classics. We've got the, you know, we, we instinctively think of songs we like. And with Dave, because Dave flies under the radar so much, because he's written fewer songs as well, it's like they're right. not necessarily the ones that occur to you. Um, but yeah, if if if, any, if anyone out there wants to go and listen to Judas be my guide again, and either say, do you know what, Bruno, you're right, this is an unheralded classic, or no, you're wrong because this is just generic heavy metal, then you know, if, if you know, just go and give it another chance. I would say. I I totally agree with you. That is my favorite song on the album, and I hate to spoil anything on my list, but it is coming up, so I'll I won't say a whole lot right here. Um, cool. Excellent, excellent choice. Uh, it is my favorite song <laughs> from that album. So yeah, and like you said, it's it's. I, I didn't even put that together about uh, you know, like you said with Judas is my with Judas my guide on uh, on Son of a Gun. So my number ten, I have a feeling you're going to be upset with it. You know, this is one that could have been higher, but I like all of these songs, obviously. So sometimes it's just the order doesn't always make totally matter for me but but kind of so my number 10 is this might be the only title track in dave murray's catalog here i think number 10 is another song from the new era the what do we call this the reunion era brave new world is mine and one thing that is a super constant in every one of these songs, like the thing that to me really draws me as soon as you turn a song on, this is you can, when it's a Dave Murray, almost not on every one of them, but on a lot of these, you can tell right away it's Dave Murray because it always starts with this very nice intro. You know, it's just something really pretty, some little guitar line in there. And it's just like, it's fantastic. And and this is no uh, stranger to that. This is an excellent one that starts with a nice intro. I just love I love hearing his songs the intros I just love them so Brave New World uh, it is a fantastic song and 
It's one that I don't know that Dave, I didn't, I didn't even realize, I don't even know if I realized he wrote it till I was looking at the list and I was like, oh wow, he did, he did write Brave New World. So yeah, it's kind of an unusual because it's, um, it's, it's Dave, uh, Steve and Bruce, which, mm-hmm. um, which I'm, I'm sure hadn't happened before. And I'm actually, I mean, I'd have to check and I, I can't say for sure, but I'm not sure that that, that that particular combination has actually happened since then. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's always interesting when you get three of them together. The the one thing I was I always look at is none of the guitar players write together. Like you never there's nowhere other than if it's a full band composition, which I think they attribute to something on the first album, maybe. Maybe maybe Iron Maid. Not even Iron Maid. There's something that they count as the whole sanctuary. I think sanctuary maybe. But Everything like, especially modern era. There's never an Adrian co-write with Dave Murray or Yannick, and you know, vice versa. And yeah, I always, it's, it's 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 yeah, you're absolutely. It is very unusual, and it's kind of weird considering that, like D- Dave and Adrian, they they were friends from like when they were kids or something, weren't yeah. they? So it's weird yeah. that they hadn't worked together. I think, um, yeah, I, you're right. There's there's a couple of um, band compositions, but then I think the only one. Uh, where you've got two guitarists writing together is virus because Yannick and Dave have both got credits on that, but obviously ah. band. So yeah, so I think that's probably the only example. I thought virus was a band credit. I thought that was con- counted to the whole band. Uh, it, it is, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, okay, it, it, okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay, but, yeah, but it just happens to include the two guitarists. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just always, I've always wondered about that. If I could, if I could interview any of the guys in the band, that's one thing I would like to ask. I guess they just. Because you, I think it would be really cool if they had a song where, but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't want to do it because they don't want one to be excluded. Yeah. Or maybe they just say, "Look, let's just one of us will get the credit and the other one will play on it. No big deal." So. All right. So that was uh. Let's see. That was my number ten, Brave New World. So Bruno, what is your number nine? Well, my number nine is actually one that I've got to give you credit for for reminding me about because I'd actually, in my in my foolishness, I'd I'd uh, overlooked it. But my number nine is from No Prayer for the Dying, and it's Fate's Warning. Oh. And um, yeah, it, it actually that ties in exactly with what you were just saying about intros uh, and about like your intros because the introduction to this one is really really gorgeous, mm-hmm. and then once the actual song itself kicks in. Um, it do, it does steal a few riffs from uh, "Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter" and "Can I Play with Madness." So it's not, you know, it's it's by no means, you know, rewriting the Iron Maiden playbook. It's 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 like looting the best bits from the Iron Maiden playbook. <laughs> it's, it's a really good song. It's a really solid rocker, and I think um, again, you know, the, the, the "Prayer for the Dying" is an album that I guess lots of people, including myself, kind of instinctively right off because it's at yeah. the you know it's like the tail end of that first classic era mm. but it's, it's got some good stuff on it and um and i think you know if if, if fate's warning had maybe been on a, a different album i think i think maybe we would be talking about it more oh i totally agree i totally agree and i won't say a lot because that one's also coming up on my list <laughs> um now now this is where i'm going to ask you bruno do you need me to send you a virtual shot of fireball whiskey because you're going to need it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, like it's the South African summer here and I've got all the doors and windows shut so that you don't have the noise of dogs barking in the background. But um, yeah, I, th I think uh, if, if, if you're going like well off the deep end, then I'm going to risk the cinnamon whiskey, yeah. Yeah, okay, so so just, just take a shot right now because <laughs> I think you know what's coming next. This is a song that was co-written by Steve Harris as well. Uh, most of Dave's co-writes are with Steve Harris. So this is one that I've loved, Bruno, ever since I heard it in the mid-80s. And uh, given the conversation we're about to have, I feel like we've been here before. I feel like I'm having deja vu, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, my heart is just sinking, and it's just yeah. Oh, dear Lord! Come on, I, I I dare you. I dare you to justify how this song could appear on a top ten of every of anything at all ever. Well, if it was your top ten least favorite songs, yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh no, but Deja Vu. It's another song with with a with you know great intro. The dual lead lines. Uh, the, the music in this song is just uh, amazing. Um, at about the two minute and 30 second, there's a, uh, uh, I'm going to play it real fast because I, I, I wanted to, I hi, I made a note of it because there's just a really cool bit. And then, of course, I'm not prepared on my phone just to, uh, to play it. But uh, this song, I, I've just always liked it. I mean, I know that the melodies that Bruce is singing are not, you know, necessarily the best melodies ever. Um, but I've always just, oops, sorry. I wasn't trying to play the intro, but like that little lead line. That's, that's, that's just classic. Uh, that's classic Dave Murray right there. Uh, what did I say? 220, 230. Okay. So let me get to 225. So here's, here's the bit that I saw the, where there's the drums and the guitar thing going. Okay, here we go. Like, that's awesome. I, I love that bit. And then, you know, you get past that. Da -na 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 -na. So, the music of this song. Like, I think that's what I know that you've, <clears throat> what you say about this album and how, you know, it was a tired band and all that. But musically, even if they were a tired band, there's still just so many great dual lead lines throughout the album and on this song, you know, particularly. Uh, you know, vote versus. You know, have you had a conversation that you realize you've had before? It's not the greatest, but man, I think it's cool. Um, the chorus isn't the greatest either, but man, I love it. I guess, you know, I came along in that era. That's the first new album I ever had. I love Deja Vu, and I'm not talking about the recently departed David Crosby's band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I'm not that familiar with David Crosby's discography, but I'm, I'm, I think that they put out a legendarily bad album in the '80s called American Dream. Now, I've never listened to that, but I I'm like going, I'm, I'm going to say, America, anything on American Dream. Oh I, fact, no! I, I think I've, I think I've heard the title track of that. Anything on American Dream is going to be better than Deja Vu. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm nailing my colours in the bar. So, like. 
good luck and Godspeed in your next life, David Crosby. And you can you can you can be assured that you're going to go down in musical history and you never wrote a song as bad as Deja Vu. Let me let me just let you hear really quickly how American Dream the song starts. <laughs> come on now come on now yeah, I mean, that, that that gladdens my heart actually i think that's that's that actually makes me want to listen to that again and yeah. um yeah like like whereas deja vu just makes me want to like stick my head in a bucket oh bruno bruno uh, let me i'll say two things you're wrong about deja vu but i will say i you said the american dream album i really like a lot of that album i'm i'm a big big fan of uh, that's actually a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. If you might, if you recognize Neil Young's voice right there, um, I love CSNY. Uh, I love CSN. Uh, I like American Dream. I like that song, even though it's totally it, it sounds happy, which is not something that usually I like to listen to. But um, I love Deja Vu, and I have a feeling that Deja Vu will be coming up. For you as well later. <laughs> you, you you can be absolutely sure of that, my friend. <laughs> uh, so what do you have at, let's see, we're going to number eight. What do you have at number eight, Bruno? At uh, number eight, we come soaring into the modern era uh, with the final frontier, and we're going for the man who would be king. Mm, and nice. uh, I think I think more than, more than any other song on this list, this is the one that is really a guitar showcase. Um, this, this is where we actually need Kirsty with her like lightning precise, like who plays what. And I actually, I don't know who plays what on this song, but mm -hmm. whoever's playing is on fire on this one. It's, it's a good song, but that whole center section with the, with the guitar solos mm -hmm. is, is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And, and then when the song kicks, kicks in again in the second half, it sounds even heavier and more urgent. And uh, Nico's really, really good on this one. I, like if we, if we ever do um, like a, a Nico top 10, sorry, top 11, then then I would be tempted to put the man who would be king on that as well. Oh, nice. And it's um, like a lot of the, I think I've, I've sort of said this on your show before, like the final frontier, I really love the final frontier. Mm -hmm. and uh, And I kind of like it for the way that, it sounds it, it's like it's to me it's the most kind of like uh prog and like pink floydy of their albums where you kind of get lost in the moods and the music so you, it's not it, it's not like oh um you know can i play with madness where you're whistling along and singing along to it it's more you're kind of like losing yourself in the whole mm. sound and experience of it and um and, and this this is a really good example and you know i i, I love uh, when the wild wind blows and I know you don't but I think <laughs> if, if the album had ended with the man who would be king I think it I think that would have been also made a really good climax to that album mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and I think then you know you'd have had nothing to <laughs> nothing to grumble about but yeah it's it, it's a, a fantastic song very good choice uh I'll bring that one up here in just a little bit as well and I'm glad you mentioned uh when the wild wind blows because just yesterday I was talking to Matt and he said doesn't Bruno like when the wild wind blows? I go, I'm pretty sure, but thank you for making sure I knew I was uh, correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I still, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Matt, I, he's I, with I you on that. Yeah. We, we, we'll do One day we'll do a whole episode about why I'm totally right. And you're totally wrong. But um, <laughs> actually we could do a whole series about that. 
<laughs> I, I did. I will. I will share this that I did give you an idea the other day. I said, I said we could do a full episode where you could come up with your top eleven worst takes that I've had on anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm like really impressed that you think I could narrow it down to eleven. That's what. Yeah, exactly. You're like, there's too many. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. So my number eight is, I believe, what your number nine was. Uh, Fate's warning from No Prayer for the Dying. Um, I love the uh, obviously that there's that that standard of Murray songs that that guitar intro with the nice lead thing. <clears throat> I love the melody when he starts singing. You know why is it some of us are destined to stay alive? The way he sings that, some of us are here just so that we'll die. I've always loved this song. I, I think this the song is underrated, and No Prayer as an album is definitely very overlooked. Um, I think Fate's Warning is an awesome song. I love it. So um, that's my number eight. It's just, we can't argue on that one. We You've already chosen it. So uh, so what about number seven, Bruno? What do you have at number seven? Uh, well, it's good that you, you're talking about No Prayer for the Dying being overlooked because actually I'm going to go back to that album again. And uh, the, the only one I, the only thing I don't like about this song is the, is the terrible title. And, and, and even like saying it out loud, it kind of sticks in my throat. It's Public Enema Number One, which is <laughs> such a like it's, it's the sort of title that you would expect to see on one of their jokey, terrible B-sides. And right. uh, uh, and it, it's really unfortunate that it's got such a bad title because it's a great heavy song and yeah. it's uh, it's got a really short but sweet guitar solo and it's only four minutes long so it doesn't outstay its welcome um it's um yeah i th- yeah like, like i say i think no prayer for the dying gets that bad rap because it's at the tail end of a, a run of albums that so many people regard c- quite correctly as classic Sure, um, sure. And you know, th- there's no denying. You know, no, no prayer is obviously it's not as monumental as Seventh Son, but mm. on a song for song basis, um, y- you know, y- you and I kind of, I think, al- although we would disagree on the individual songs, I think we would broadly agree that that peace of mind is not, um, you know, it's not their strongest effort on a like a song by song basis. Sure. And I think. I think, you know, if, if you were just rank, racking it up on like, you know, good songs versus mediocre songs, I, re- I think No Prayer for the Dying would actually, it wouldn't compare that that badly to Peace of Mind. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's probably about the same ratio of good stuff to bad stuff on both of those albums. Interesting. Never, never heard it, <coughs> excuse me, never heard it put like that. But yeah, I, I can't really disagree with you there. So I'll say this, Kirsty, uh, I got to bring Kirsty up again because Kirsty, Bruno, Kirsty is about to stand up and cheer. You ready? Okay. Because my number seven is also public enema number one. Nice. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, I knew it had to. I was like, that's the only other song. I was all raising my fist in glory right when you said, I'm bringing up that one again. I was like, yeah, I. Again, it's dual lead lines to start. They're nice on this song. You know, the 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 melody that he's singing right away, you know, when it all comes down the line. And I love that. I love the 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 intensity of the song. Given the song title, again, you're like, you know, what what kind of joke of a song is this gonna be? You know, you're thinking, oh, they put is this a you know, is this a nodding donkey blues? Is this a uh, sheriff of Huddersfield kind of song? And then you hear it, you're like, wow. 
the I think this song is really underrated as well, just because of the title. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a one bit in the song I really like because there's an echo on it, and he says the breaking strain is fast approaching. He goes, guns and riots, riots, riots. Like you hear that echo? Oh yeah. man, so good. Uh, it's obviously Bruce's raspy time. These two songs that I put together, Fate's Warning and Public Enema Number One. But these are two of the better songs. I think I I prefer this album a lot more than I prefer Fear of the Dark. I think it's way better. Fear of the Dark gets a better rap, gets a better reputation because it has a song that gets played at every show. At the you know that's why. But I think Public Enema Number One is an awesome, awesome overlooked song. So. I think that is that's the first time that I mean I know there's some songs that we agree on, but that's the first time ever that you and I have got a ranking that's matched up. I think I know it's that's something that I always try to do with Kirsty, or not. I don't try to do it, but it's it's kind of something we always shoot for. We're always trying to get a match, and uh, I did an episode with Andrew and his son recently, and I, I don't want to give too much away, but Andrew and I agreed on a on more than one on our rankings uh, that we did, and. So that turned out really well. As I was, I was really pleased for that. I was like, Kirsty's going to be really upset when she hears that. But yeah, I, whenever me and you are actually agreeing on it, I don't know, man. You might uh, is the is the sky turning to blood or anything like that right now? Because I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> might be the end of the world. You know, the plagues are all going to come back. Are going to get like uh, what what what's the plague with the bugs? You know, roaches or something like that. It's locusts, and in fact, locusts. actually, we we have we have a recurring problem with locusts where I am in South Africa. So yeah, uh, oh. so if, yeah, if, if all of our crops fail tomorrow, then you'll yeah, know why. <laughs> maiden zone. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Okay, so uh, Bruno, what is your number? Six? Great. Uh, you know, oh, I was, I was just going to say we could we could suggest that, that Steve Harris write a song about locusts. I'm sure he'd be up for that. You know, I'm surprised but, um, he hasn't. I'm surprised he hasn't. To be honest, yeah. Okay, well, let's drag this back to Iron Maiden just for a moment, um, yeah. and um, yeah, just just to continue this like weird, like you know, uh, sky turning red universe in which you and I actually agree on things. I'm actually uh, I'm going to pick one of your choices. I've got the title track of Brave New World at number okay. six. Okay. Um, I, I think if if you wanted to criticize this song, you could say it's really all about the chorus, and if you don't like that chorus you'll probably find this song quite irritating because it's one where, you know, you and I have talked before about Steve Harris really driving his choruses into the ground. And, and he kind yeah. of, he, he does that here, but I actually like the chorus. I think it's one of the catchiest in the whole catalog. And um, uh, it, it really, it kind of, um, it's like, to me, it's like the anthem for the, for the re the reborn band. And um, I've got a quote from Adrian where he says, because, because, uh, oh, actually, Adrian is not a co-writer on this song. It's, it's uh, Dave, Steve, and Bruce who wrote this. But anyway, Adrian said we hadn't played together in ages, but we did this song, and it worked straight away. It was quite straightforward, and it worked great. It settled us all down and put us on the right track. Everyone was excited. It was like a new beginning, and it really does that. Like if you were if you were making like a a movie about Iron Maiden, and you wanted, you know, the climax of the movie was was them all coming back into the room and hugging each other and being reborn as like the greatest British heavy metal band of all time. And I think this is the song which would play over the end credits. Oh yeah. And, um, so I, th I think you, you, you know, 
you could maybe say that the song is maybe more interesting for its lyrics than for its music because the music is quite straightforward but but it really embodies a band who were reborn and looking to the future so yeah great song excellent excellent now you mentioned something you said adrian had said something about it, it had been years and there's a, i'm glad you mentioned that because there's a quote that i want to ask you about i i said this to somebody at work the other day and they were like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> but uh, last year Adrian Smith, he took uh, Gangland and he played along with it and he put a video out and and he said, I haven't played this one in donkey's years. So is that a phrase that you heard growing up in England ever? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one that I would still use, actually. And so it, it just means a long time, right? It's not a specific yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it's not a specific set uh, length of time, and and I guess your next question would be why donkeys years, and the answer is that I've got absolutely no idea. But, <laughs> yeah, but if, if you if you said that to anyone in Britain, regardless of what, what bit of Britain they came from, they would know what you meant. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm I'm starting to bring it back. Adrian, I, Adrian introduced me to it last year, and somebody looked it up. I I, I want to say they posted this on Twitter the other day because I said it on Twitter. Yeah, actually, I know who did it. And he said donkey's years, the equivalent of a year was 16 years or something like that. All right. So, yeah, they said uh, something along that line. But I I had, I had, said it the other day. I said, I haven't heard that in donkey's years. And they were like, whoa, I got to look that up. I don't even know what that means. And I was like, well, I got it from Adrian. I don't really know what it means. I just I just think it sounds funny to say it. So, okay, there you go. See, when I don't have Kirsty here to translate, I call Bruno. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so man, we're down to number six already, Bruno. We're we're making fast time on this. So, number six, ready is it's a, it's a, a short song. It's a very short song, especially when you factor in that this song came out during the reunion era. But I I loved this one from the get go, especially because the song that precedes it is one of my least favorite of the reunion era. Of course. Bruno, I'm talking about Rainmaker from Dance of Death, which follows Wildest Dreams. Um, it starts with that. It, it kicks in immediately with a real nice little lead line. And the melodies are nice. You know, Bruce is singing the song within like 10 seconds, which is really quick for an Iron Maiden song. Uh, it's just a fun song. You know, I like the chorus. You tell me we can stop the rain. You tell me that we all can change. You tell me that we can find something to wash the tears away. Oh man, I just love this song. I've I've never there's never been a day that I'd heard this and didn't like it. So Rainmaker is my number six. I, I love it. So yeah, I mean, again, this is yeah. The, the skies are most definitely turning red, and the locusts are like like gearing up in like huge armies now. Because I I entirely agree with you. It's a fantastic song, and oh, um, one of the main reasons why. And again, I've, I've said this before, so I apologize for people who've, who've actually stuck with you and me rambling on in the past. But one <laughs> of the reasons why I like Dance of Death, the album, is that it's very varied. Mm -hmm. So at the one end, you've got a classic epic like Passchendaele. And then at the other end, you've got this song, Rainmaker, which is a good poppy song. And as you rightly alluded to just now, short poppy songs, they're, they're quite unusual in the Maiden catalogue these days. So I find it very refreshing and it's got a great solo by Dave. Um, so, yeah, I've no arguments at all from me. I, I love Rainmaker. Oh, yeah. This is one I would love to hear it live. I've never heard it live, so I'd love to hear this one. So, All right. It's weird that we played 
like I'm quite surprised that they've not because they put Rainmaker out as a single, and so it's kind of strange that mm-hmm. they didn't survive. Yeah, I think they just it's, they get so into each new album that they realize we have to play a certain amount of these classic songs, and we want to play a certain amount of the new songs and the new songs just keep getting longer and longer. So I think they just run out of time, which is there is a live version on death on the road. So thankfully that's at least there to hear. So, yeah, I mean, imagine how many, like, you know, on, on the, on the show that they're doing this year, imagine how many good songs they could play if they dropped all the rubbish from Senjutsu. Oh, Bruno. Oh, Bruno. Oh, Bruno. Ugh. Bruno, Bruno, where art thou, Bruno? <laughs> oh, this is the Bruno I know. <laughs> Poo-pooing on things that I love. So, all right. So let's, uh, I'm going to get it. Thankfully, thankfully, well, even though there is no song that Dave co-wrote on Senjutsu, you managed to find a way to crap all over it. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I, I, I have undertaken that at some point I'm going to I'm going to listen to that album again. And mm-hmm. uh, and I and I, I absolutely I, I promise faithfully to you and to all followers of the Iron Maiden Zone. I promise you that if I listen to that album again and I realize that my first impressions of it were wrong, I will come back and I will apologize. I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> OK, so now we're into the top five, Bruno. The top five best songs written by Dave Murray. And I'm looking at my list right here and you've already named two of these. So I think you'll be, I think you're going to be pleased with my list. So what's your number five? Okay. Well, my number five, you're going to be pleased about and Kirsty is not going to be pleased about. Um, uh, But I, 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 like you and I are really brave when when we're talking about Kirsty when she's not here. Like we're, <laughs> we're so brave about what we'll say, but actually, if she was actually on this edition, we'd be like we'd be a lot better behaved. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, she when when you uh, uh, you and Kirsty did your Killers episode, mm-hmm. you ranked um, Murders in the Rue Morgue, which is by far the best. Yeah, Killers is a fantastic album. Like there's there's not a bad song on that album, and Murders in the Room Org is a particularly good one, and you both of you ranked it really low. Um, so y- you and Kirsty, you don't know what you're talking about, so I don't <laughs> care. If I'm annoying it. So yeah, num- that's a very long-winded way of saying my number five is is uh, Age of Innocence, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the, I, I was reading the press release for this album, and I, I was reading it courtesy of. Uh, of our old friend um, IronMaidenCommentary.com, which I can't recommend highly enough. Great, mm-hmm. great website. Loads and loads of really good reading for any Iron Maiden fan. And yeah. um, on there, the press release for Dance of Death described Age of Innocence as a bruising, boisterous romp from Maiden's unsung hero, Dave Murray, and a song <laughs> which provides one of the most infectious choruses on the new album. And I can't really add much to that, actually. I think they, that actually sums up exactly how I feel about that song. And the only other thing I'd say is that lyrically, uh, it's very much in the same vein as a song called Justice of the Peace, which, okay. uh, not to spoil the surprise or the suspense, that's a song which we're going to come back to later in this episode. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So uh, I do want to make sure that you, if you listen to that episode, you probably... Wasn't there a point where I said I would much rather listen to Senjutsu than Killers? 
Yeah, that was what my, that was the point where I was thinking like on on the Iron Maiden zone, you've got all you've got like an official politician and you've got an official historian, and then uh, what's what's Jen's title? He's a, he's an official or something or he's other. The, isn't the, he? He, again's the official detention teacher. Detention teacher, but the, what I was actually thinking was that you really need like an official shrink who can <laughs> just like you know put his arm around your shoulders and like lead you to the to a couch and and like Steve Steve tell us when when did you first have this problem where you thought that senjutsu was better than killers <laughs> and like we we really need to dig into into that aspect of it because it's you know it's 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 a very worrying development yeah there's a I have an episode uh, that I'm going to do later this year. I, I don't want to say anything about it right now, but uh, it's going to involve killers, and I think it's going to upset some people. So. Yeah, uh, I'm going to like forget about the armies of locusts, like me <laughs> and the armies of like all the Paul Diano fanboys, and we're going to be coming to you with our flaming torches. There's a guy, yeah, exactly. There's a guy that um, that his brother is like his brother. Once I posted a poll about Paul Diano, and his brother. He came on the poll and he said, Diano is God. And then when I put that episode out, his brother said on there, basically, my brother, he said, my brother would not be able to listen to this episode because he can't take any criticism from for Diano. And I was just like, yeah, go ahead. Let him listen. You know, let him listen. So, <laughs> all right. So my number five, uh, spoiler alert, you've already mentioned this one as well. But I absolutely love this song. You you uh you poured syrup all over it and 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 just made me want to dive right back into it. The man who would be king is my number five. I think that is a really underrated song. Um, I, I like the um. You'll know this better than me, but isn't the man who would be king a movie? It's a movie in the past, right? It is. I want to. I've never seen it, and I want to say that it's an Anthony Quinn movie, but I could be mistaken. But no, you're absolutely right. It is. Okay, I, I really like the story in the line, and the, I like the story in the song. You know about the guy who goes out, he kills someone. You that there's a line where it says, "There's not a day that goes by that he regrets what he's done," because then he had in his mind he had no choice. You know, so be it. And I, I just like the story that goes along about what's everything happening here and. Uh, I like the chorus. I like the the obviously the Dave Murray intro. That that's the staple. The 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 intro by Dave Murray. You know what I like? One of the things I like about Dave Murray is he he doesn't feel like like sometimes you feel like uh, maybe he's just not as prolific a writer as say Adrian is or even Yannick. But it's just every few albums he comes along and he'll have a song or two and and there there's there's never really a, a bad. Even when we get to the least best, it's not the music that I'm picking on on the songs. It's always a melody or a chorus or something along those lines. He just he just always brings something good to the table. He's just he's just the the smiling guy, you know. Really, that, you know, uh, Steve Harris was in a band before Iron Maiden. It was called Smiler. I mean, wouldn't that be the perfect name of a Dave Murray solo project, <laughs> Smiler? <laughs> it absolutely would. Yeah, I've actually. I've, and it's really interesting you bring this up actually because I've got a couple of quotes from Dave. And um, okay, uh, where he, because I, when we were thinking about this episode, I was I was looking up Dave Murray interviews. We, and Dave Murray interviews are fairly rare compared to the others in the band, even Yannick. Mm -hmm. And then Dave Murray interviews where he where he specifically talks about the music are even rarer. And he said. Um, 
in in 91 actually post adrian leaving the band but he said steve and adrian are great composers so although i have a lot of ideas in my head for the moment i don't really need to see them through hmm. and then i've got another one where he says um uh he says i'm a team player for myself it's about being part of something that's way bigger than i am and way bigger than any of us so he's he's you know he's, like you say he's very easygoing he's very laid back he's not he's not he's never going to push himself forward um he's in and he's never going to like obviously impose his ideas on the band and um yeah it, it, it's good that we've actually managed to come up at one point i was thinking oh, are we even going to struggle to come up with like enough songs to to create this list and we and we have we just about and um yeah steve harris said in 1986 um uh, he said dave only writes half a song once in a blue moon um <laughs> our last collaboration was three years ago with the song still life three years before it was twilight zone and again three years before it uh, so if if steve has got his chronology right in that point it means that they wrote at the harlot in 1977 um which be and that would that would actually make sense because that's when dave was first in the band and then he briefly left and then he came back again but yeah Yeah. so for for that first um that first decade uh dave was averaging once every three years and fortunately he's become more prolific slightly more prolific since then yeah it makes me wonder if dave comes to the band rehearsals or whatever when they're getting together to put you know check out the songs and see who's got what it makes me wonder if he just sits in the room and doesn't say anything and steve's like you have anything dave and dave will be like oh yeah i got this one thing you know <laughs> like he he just won't even bring it up makes me wonder if he's that quiet guy that's just like eh, i don't need my stuff on there so yeah but i mean that's um uh he and steve are the only people who've been on every album that's right isn't it so yes yeah. so you know i guess that that's the secret you know he's got a good gig he enjoys it you know he 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 never seems to have um you know all, all of the others whether it's steve nico obviously bruce uh adrian you know that at one point or another their resentments against either one of the other members of the band or their resentment against the the band itself i guess in bruce's case and in adrian mm-hmm. you know that kind of bubbles to the surface and dave has managed to find a way to negotiate that for you know the best part of half a century so um yeah yeah or you know good luck to him absolutely <laughs> you know, he, he seems like the happy rock star and maybe we need yeah. some more of those yeah for sure for sure all right so now we're in our top five so let's get to our number four what do you have bruno at number four uh, number four, you're going to be happy with this, and it's uh, um, it's from Dance of Death, and it's Dave Murray, Steve Harris, and Bruce Dickinson creating Rainmaker. And uh, All right. Dave Murray said, uh, he said, I had a few riffs and some chord progressions all worked out, and then Steve added some melodies to it before Bruce wrote the lyrics. The intro riffs inspired him to think of raindrops, and that's where the Rainmaker mm. concept comes from. So it's not it's not very metal, but you know we've we've already we've talked about uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and American Dream on this show, so we we don't <laughs> mind the odd kind of detour into stuff that's not metal. So yeah, yeah. Rain, uh, gorgeous, gorgeous, poppy, brilliant Iron Maiden song. You know, Iron Maiden can do what they want. I mean, it doesn't really matter if what the subject is. It, they they just have a way of making it all work, and it's obviously everything doesn't work with Iron Maiden, but. 
Yeah, that's a great one about raindrops. Who cares? It's it's a fun song. It's easy to listen to. It's it's an earworm song, you know. You know, because yeah. you listen, you're like, you tell me we can stop the rain. You tell it's a great melody. It's a great melody. So I'm 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 actually I mean I'm really pleased because you know although I like you know needling you I'm I it's always quite gratifying when you and I actually agree on something. But I'm kind of given that you don't like happy songs. You know, you're not a fan of. Um, wildest dreams and you're not a fan of can i play with madness like i'm i'm kind of, i'm surprised i'm surprised in a good way that you like rainmaker yeah you know it's 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 one that's it's it's happy it's 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 got the upbeatness just enough and it's got enough of the down you know not it's not super like if you compare wildest dreams just to how the 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 chord whatever the chords they're starting with on rainmaker i mean on wildest dreams Compared to when it goes into Rainmaker, it starts with that solo and you know the chorus, the the verses. You know, when I was wandering in the desert, I was searching for the truth, and it's nothing, you know, like happy sounding. You know, like even if you go to Can I Play with Madness, you know, even when he's singing, even though the lines of that song are not upbeat, you know, I screamed aloud to the old man. You know, he says, "Your soul's gonna burn in a lake of fire." It's always, it's like almost like it's it's a positive thing, you know. That's like, that's some of the best singing that I've ever heard you do. I mean, like, I mean, that obviously I'm setting the bar <laughs> low, very but, low. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's pretty good, man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, I'm, you know, last episode we did together, you were saying this, and, and I'm going to say it this time. I'm just waiting for the moment here, and you know, really, it, it didn't even happen with Deja Vu, which kind of shocked me. I'm just waiting for a certain moment when we go complete. When whenever you, I'm going to say something that's going to send you completely off the rails over a cliff, you know, I'm waiting I, for it. I'm I'm pretty confident. Uh, I mean, I've been wrong about this before, but I'm pretty confident that I know one songs that is in your bottom five. And if if I'm right about that, it's not just it's not only me who's going to be baffled it's every other person who's listening to this <laughs> show is also going to be baffled so yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say what it is just yet but i'm pretty sure that's where it's going to go really off the rails right okay 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 i'm curious because i mean i feel like the top stuff is so good that it's so but but i wonder you know we've, we've had a lot of them line up already. i mean like okay let's let me go through my list uh my number 11 my number 10 my number eight, seven, six, and five. So literally all of them except Deja Vu we've agreed on so far. Okay. So that's, uh, I have a feeling there's probably people sitting on the edge of their seat, you know, just waiting. <laughs> you know, now maybe, maybe it's because I already did drink that whiskey. Maybe that helped. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. God bless Fireball. And, and should I, should I say that it's not even eight o'clock in the morning yet? And I just, and I already had a shot of whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, but it's the weekend, man. You can do it. It is the weekend. It is the weekend. So, okay. So my number four. Okay. And I wonder if this is going to make your list or not, because there's reasons that I could definitely see it not making your list. You know, maybe a reason like they stole half the song from another band. But my number four is a song that I absolutely adored. Uh, even when I found out that one of the best parts of the song was like almost taken verbatim from a Beckett album. <laughs> um, my number four is the nomad from brave new world. 
if you've never heard um, Life's Shadow by Beckett, have you ever heard that? I haven't, but that's that's the one that the like Steve's looted that twice, hasn't he? Because didn't he take some lyrics for Hallowed Be Thy Name as well? You know, the lyrics for Hallowed Be Thy Name, yeah, he did get that. This is the other spot where it happened. Um, and um, this, I, I want to say that this part, this, this is way more blatant. The lyrics to, obviously, the lyrics to Hallowed Be Thy Name are there. Some people have said there's a little bit of melody lines or music lines in that song that play a part. I'm not sure if I agree or not there, but obviously some of the lyrics, some of the great lyrics from that song are in here. I'm, I'm trying to see if I, I'm trying to see if I can find the part where this is in there and let you hear it real quick. So. Okay. Listen to this for a second. Just wait till it gets to some of these little guitar lines here. I mean, that's literally exactly what's in the Nomad. <laughs> it's listen to this. It's uncanny, isn't it? Let me go to legend has it that you speak in ancient tongues, but no one spoke to you and lived to tell the tale. Oh man. So what well, ho- I mean, never- hopefully that would be, cause I think, um, I don't know what, I don't know what the upshot of that hallowed be thy name. Cause there was actually a lawsuit there. Cause I remember them dropping it from, from their set list for the first time ever when, when mm-hmm. all that stuff really bubbled to the surface and then it kind of went away, which kind of implies that, you know, the, the guy got given a bunch of money to, to go away and be quiet and so oh yeah, yeah you know if yeah. he if he if he got some for the nomad as well then good luck to him yeah it was part of the same it was part of the same lawsuit but that aside okay that that bit right there i mean it's like i said it's one thing to take some lyrics that are you know no one would have known it but like if anyone ever heard that song and that's the only album beckett ever released unless they did something way later it, it, I mean, it's literally, it's verbatim. Those guitar solos are just like, just they're very soft, but they're just like that. And I love that. I love that bit of the song. Um, so I say this, the Maiden paid for it. They had to pay for it. They got busted. They had to pay for it. So they basically bought that from Beckett eventually <laughs> after the fact when they got caught. So I love this song. I think it's amazing. You know, it's uh, the music bit that starts out, you know, it seems like it's got a very Middle Eastern vibe to me. There's a lot of starts and stops. And um, lyrically, I, it's, it's, it's about, uh, what's the song we were talking about earlier where I was thinking that uh, the, 
the man who would be king. It's not the same lyrically, but just very cool lyrics about the person. You know, legend has it that you speak in ancient tongues, but no one spoke to you and lived to tell the tale. You know, uh, some they some they say that you've killed a hundred men. Others say that you have died and live again. Uh, one of my favorite lines in the whole song. Uh, you know, it says. You set before you a mystique that's all your own. Your silhouette is like a statue carved in stone. And I love the I love those lyrics. I think they're cool as hell. And the chorus, I, a lot of people I've heard say they don't love the whole nomad, all that stuff. I love it. I think Bruce just, he wails. He sounds amazing. The fact that, again, that this song was completely it's almost like they just cop they just recorded it off the Beckett album and then trans you know just said hey, let's just put it right on the maiden album no one will know the difference and I, I don't you know I don't like that they did that you know but they like I said they eventually had to pay for it and I love the song so so that's yeah, it so I mean it's that you know it, it would have been nicer if it had happened at the time and the guy had had more you know, the Beckett writer had had more time to enjoy it. But nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. those, those two songs, Hallowed Be Thy Name and The Nomad, that, that would have been the biggest payday that that guy had ever had. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, justice, justice of a kind was served, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so that leads us to your number three. Uh, my number three. I, I, this is actually another one that you're going to be perfectly happy with. And I would actually, I'm, I'm kind of expecting that you're going to put it in your top three as well. Um, because it's from Brave New World, and it's the thin line between love and hate. Um, and I've got a quote from from Bruce. Uh, he says, um, actually, this is, this is not a quote which is going to win you over if you haven't put it in your top three, because Bruce actually <laughs> says, um, it almost sounds like a UFO track in places. It's more of a rock and roll, hard rock rhythm thing going down, and we actually put a harmony on the entire verse. So it's quite an unusual sound for Maiden. Now, I personally, uh, you know, I don't wish to argue with Bruce Dickinson because he is, after all, the lead singer of Iron Maiden and I'm not. I actually, as a UFO fan, I don't think it sounds like UFO. Um, huh. but, it, but it's nonetheless, it's a really good attacking song. And Bruce's vo vocal on this is uh, fantastic. Really, really good. And I, I like that harmony effect on the on the verses. And um, I, I managed to scrape up um, a quote from the, uh, the very taciturn Mr. Murray. And he says, um, he says, over the past few records, I've kind of enjoyed the big picture more than anything, which is that we're still able to express ourselves through our instruments, that we can just let go and play and have it all be gelling. And it makes the records feel like good group therapy. Um, and I think I think that's a, that's a sentiment which really applies to this song. It's it's uh, eight and a half minutes long. It doesn't outstay its welcome at any point. And those last two minutes of the thin line between love and hate, they really do feel epic. It's a it's a great way to close the album. I I totally agree. Um, I well you know I'll just go ahead and say it. That's my number two, the thin line between love. So we're really close on that one. Uh, I, I love it. I, I like the the sentiment in the song. You know what? You know what makes a person decide between you know good and evil, right and wrong. You know love and hate. Um, I think it's a really cool song. The the sentiment and the music is very. It's something that any person in life can think about. You know when you see the you see the travels in life that a person you know the journey that someone goes on in their life. Like you know like a person could easily you know just a few small. Let me. I got the lyrics right in front of me. 
It's just a, a, just a few small tears between someone happy and someone sad, a thin line drawn between being a genius or insane. I think that's, that's, that, that line could apply to me and you, you know, me being the genius and you being insane, <laughs> um, you know, but at, at what age begin to learn of which way that we will turn? And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to share a very personal part of my life here that I've never talked about on here. Um, that's not me per se, but I have a, a, a relative that um, is a young girl. She's probably, how old is she? 22 in my family. And the, the thin line, this, this girl is 22 and she's been in prison now for two or three years, uh, an accomplice to murder. And, it's so crazy to see that, you know, I remember growing up and that girl being around and, you know, kind of being a crazy little girl, but fun and just getting involved with the wrong people at a certain point and couldn't get away from it. And, you know, a few, a, a few small tears between someone happy and someone sad. So, uh, it's, it's, it makes you, you know, I guess when, and I know, you know, we're both of the age where we've experienced a lot of you know, a lot of little things in life, people we've, you know, grew up with, people we've worked with, people who've been around. And uh, the lyrics of this song are very, are very just, uh, they're very life affirming, you know, they they, they fit very well. Um, to get into why one of my favorite bits of the song, though, the chorus, I will hope my soul will fly so I will live forever. Bruce just, he wails on that part. He just sounds amazing. Like you hear that and you're like, Look, I love Blaze, but you hear that and you're like, thank God that this guy got back in Iron Maiden and the two have become one again. You know what I mean? So um, amazing song. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm This is my number two. I'm not even <laughs> supposed to be talking this much. No, that's but, uh, and like, it's quite gratifying. Like, um, we, we touched on again this briefly in the last time I was on your show where um, the Iron Maiden songs – as much as we love them and God knows we love them because that's why you're up at like, you know, Sparrow's fart on a Sunday morning, drinking whiskey to, to talk about it. And I'm sitting <laughs> in like a stiflingly hot room in South Africa. So yeah. much as we love those songs, we're not necessarily gravitating towards Iron Maiden to be moved emotionally. Um, but there are just those odd songs that do it. Like there's that, um, uh, uh, the fight, uh, yeah, the, the final frontier. That you know, the, there's a bit in that which get which gets you and me. Um, you know, I wish I. What's what's the line about family? Remind me about the he line. He says. I, he said, "I wish. Uh, wish I had one more chance to tell that one last goodbye." Yeah, yeah. Which is which is like that could that's a strong candidate for you know when, when we do our rankings of uh, favorite lyrics in the Maiden catalog, that's going to be up there. Mm. So to hear you talk about the thin line between love and hate and, and relate it to, to someone that you know and, and stuff that they've been going through and that presumably your family has been going through as well, I think that's really, I, 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 you know, obviously it's not a great thing that you know someone who's in prison for being an accomplice to murder. But, yeah, exactly. um, but, but the fact that you can find some uh, comfort or empathy in a, in, a, in a rock lyric, in a maiden lyric, um, that it kind sure. of expresses it. I think that's that's fantastic because one one of the things that music does, in addition to being a comfort to us and a friend to us, is that is that sometimes you know a, a great lyricist like Steve and Steve, you know, even though I quite often have criticised him on your show and I'm sure I will on this episode, but you know sometimes a great lyricist like Steve Harris will really nail what you're thinking and you think, mm -hmm. oh, 
thank you because you've expressed it so much better. That's exactly what I was thinking, and I couldn't mm-hmm. quite express it the way that you did. Yeah, you know, no, no one, no one, uh, if, to, to take it to a sport that I grew up loving, like baseball, no one bats a thousand. You know, even the best in the game are batting, you know, they're getting a hit a third of the time. They're failing two thirds of the time. So uh, Steve has done well better than failing two thirds of the time. So even to say he fails one third of the time would be an overstatement by a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, I never really thought about saying that that reminded me of my niece, <laughs> but um, you know, but just reading the lyrics, I mean, and it is, it is how quickly something like that, you know, and uh, seeing her mom at Christmas and, knowing that, you know, she's in prison for the next probably 20 years. So she's already been there for about five. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. And you realize like just a few small, you know, it's very, it's very small. You know, it's, it's one phrase that uh, I've said to my son before I've had said to me, you know, just one decision. And I know, you know, this uh, just probably from some life experience. I know I do. It's how, quickly one decision could be the difference between living a semi-comfortable life to being out on the streets by yourself. You know, it's, it's very quickly how quick it's very, it can happen very quickly. How much one decision, one thing you could do just a few small, even though I said just a smooth, (laughs) let me say it slower, just a few small tears between someone happy and someone sad being happy could be, hey, I live in a house. I got my family here. Being sad could be, I did something to screw it all up, and now I'm out on the streets. I mean, it could be, it doesn't take much to change the trajectory of your life, as, again, my niece knows. <laughs> and I know, and we all know from having seen it, you know, seeing it kind of play out. So, Yeah, I mean, but, I, I mean, if I could go back to 1986 now, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've been like maybe mowing lawns to, to earn some money or something and like um, I'm standing in a record shop and what am I going to spend my money on and, and like you know then I chose somewhere in time but what if I'd chosen Master of Puppets and or Rain in Blood or an album or any album that was actually good like my whole life <laughs> have actually changed and uh yeah and and everything would have been better for the past 40 years you know again I take it back to that line just a few small tears between someone happy and someone sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, okay. So that was your, uh, that was my, uh, I didn't say my number three. That was your number three. Okay. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even say this one yet. I didn't say my number three, Bruno, but you have already said my number three, my absolute favorite song from one of the very worst Iron Maiden albums to ever come out. And that's hard to say because they've had so much greatness, but obviously my very favorite song from fear of the dark that you mentioned already has to be Judas be my guide. Um, it's got a really cool, quick intro, but again, this song is literally, I think it's only three. Oh, I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 No, I, I, you, you vanished. Okay, here I'll start that. I'll start that little bit over. Um, <clears throat> so my number three, uh, you've already mentioned this song. It's uh, my absolute favorite song from Fear of the Dark. Uh, shining Dave Murray moment. Judas be my guide. Uh, it's such a great little intro. The song's only, I think it's only three minutes and three seconds or so. It's very quick, very very fast by Iron Maiden standards. 
Uh, the intro's good. The melodies in the song are great. The chorus is great. It's just a top-notch song for me. I love, I love, I played it last night, just, you know, getting ready for this. And I was just like, man, it's such a good song. So it is. And, um, uh, it's also, it's, it's Bruce and Dave, which is, uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Again, I'd have to double check. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I have a feeling that that might be the only one where it's just the, oh no, sorry. Public Enema number one is yeah, also just Public perfect, Enema. No, nonetheless, it's quite a rare combination. It is. Yeah. And, and, and here's what I'm concerned about. Like again, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of my top nine. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, eight of my no, you haven't picked the nomad, so eight of my top eleven. Out of <laughs> from eleven to two, we have eight in common, Bruno. That's amazing. <laughs> It is, yeah. I mean, I was never going to agree with you on the Nomad because I, I actually do. I, I quite like it, but it's. Um, I think there's a good reason why none of us, you, me, or Kirsty, put it in the epics when we were doing our. I don't. I don't think. I don't think any of us chose it because it, it's actually. It's kind of like twice as long as it needs to be. So, mm. al- although although I like it, I think it could have been a four and a half minute song, and it would have been twice as good. But. Yeah, eh, I don't agree. I don't agree with you there, but uh, but still, I love it though. So, uh, let's see, where are we at? We're number two now, right? This is your number two. Yeah, number two. Uh, now, th- this, I th- this, I think is, I'm, I think you're gonna, you, you could surprise me, but I think you're gonna put this in your bottom five, and I think this is where the whole of the Iron Maiden audience is just gonna go what? But anyway, Uh-oh. my number two is from an album that I've been kind of rude about in the past on your show uh peace of mind and my number two is uh still life um okay. I, I think um i think peace of mind is a very uneven album um and it's very sharply divided between stuff that is brilliant and stuff that is just complete dross and still <laughs> life still life for me is on the brilliant side um steve harris said uh it's a very enjoyable number to play because there's a lot going on um, which doesn't quite explain why they dropped it from the set list for about 30 years, I think, but I was delighted when it came back. Um, t- to me, um, Still Life is the sound of a band that's really grown up and progressed from the first three albums. And, you know, I I, I love Killers and I really like Iron Maiden and I quite like Number of the Beast. Um, but there's, there's it, you know, so it's amazing to think that Three years before um, Still Life, they were putting out a song like Charlotte the Harlot, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it's all right. Um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, I, you know, I don't know, maybe you're going to contradict me later. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rank Charlotte the Harlot in the worst songs, but it's not a particularly great song. So if you think that, like, in 1980, you've got Charlotte the Harlot, and then, then they're recording like mad, they're doing loads of promo stuff, they're going on tour. Um, but somehow they managed to grow up so quickly in those three years that then they're putting out um, Still Life, which is it, it's a it's a not, not just from the aspect of having a different singer, like in every respect, it's like a completely different band. Um, mm-hmm. So on Still Life, Bruce's singing is, fan, is is fantastic. The playing is fantastic. The lyrics are pretty unusual. The production, Martin Birch's production absolutely fantastic and i think even even if you don't like the song itself i think you've got to tip your hat to the production um and the, the one of the things which occurred to me was um 
if it wasn't for the first 90 seconds of that song, which wouldn't have worked on the radio at all, I think I think Still Life would have made a really good single because mm-hmm. it's, it's such a catchy song. Um, and, you know, that whole nightmares that that's that's the that's the sort of chorus that that great hit singles are made of so yeah my number two still life peace of mind brilliant piece of work yeah i i really can't disagree i really think you're right about that if it if it didn't have that long intro it could have definitely made it on the radio that's definitely a catchy chorus so um my number two uh we, we can kind of skip my number two because i just went on about it a minute ago the thin line between love and hate which was your number three uh, we both we both nailed it on that one, yeah. so totally agree there. Now this is your prediction earlier. I don't know if you said this before we started recording or not, but you predicted that we were going to have the same number one. And I'm going to say this, based on the fact that you haven't mentioned a certain song and I haven't mentioned a certain song, I think it is going to be both of our number ones now. I, I, I think it's I think. I think Kirsty is going to be sitting at her house listening to this and she is going to, or maybe she'll be at work listening and she's going to stand up and cheer really loud and people are going to look at her really strange. What the hell are you cheering about? <laughs> Bruno and Steve agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the, the shining moment here. Uh, Bruno, tell me what your number one song by Iron Maiden that Dave Murray helped write is. Okay, well, my number one Dave Murray co-write is from A Matter of Life and Death. So do we have the same one? Yes! <laughs> we did it! Here, Kirsty, we did it! <laughs> they did it! Finally, it took... How many, how many years have I been on your show? Like two years at this point? Two years, two three, so yeah. many arguments, and finally <laughs> it's happened. We agree. So break out the fireball, my friend. <laughs> I can't have another one. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, the movie? I know this is one of Kirsty's favorite movies, uh, Elf, where where he they go. He's walking around and he goes to a coffee shop and it says "World's Best Coffee." He just opens the door. And he goes, "Congratulations, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> you did it! Congratulations, World's Best Cup of Coffee! Great job, everybody!" And it's like, and then they, she's like, "What? That's just a cu- crappy cup of coffee." <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, it's um, yeah. The, the reincarnation of Benjamin Briggs. To, to be honest, that there, there was never any danger of of it not being our number one. I think. Um, yeah. And the, the the interesting thing for me, um, and again, I've touched on this just now. Like putting this list together of Dave's songs is seeing how far the the band evolved. And in yeah. that instance, it, it's like it's not just how far they evolved from Charlotte the Harlot, but it's how far they evolved from even the weightier stuff on albums like Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Um, and Benjamin Brieg is, to me, it's, it's the sound of a band who've been doing it for, at that point, um, God, like a, a quarter of a century or like longer. My, my, my grasp of mathematics is not very good, but been doing it for a long time. Um, and, but, but, they were still songs that could go toe to toe with the best of the classics that they put out in the eighties. It's just, it's a great song from a great album by a great band. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I have to add this is you just got me in trouble. My wife just texted me from downstairs and said, stop yelling, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, I'm going to go down and say, you, but you won't believe I should have texted her back. But me and Bruno just agreed on our number one. <laughs> and she'd be like, Br- Bruno, like, who? <laughs> who? Yeah. She'd be like, more like, who no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, this intro on this song, it, it, it's, it's really, really good. Um, it, you know, that starts with that. Dun, 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 and then it kind of stops. Bump. And then he does it again. It's so good. That line, that intro is so, so good, you know. And, you know, of course, the way Bruce comes in so subtly, you know, let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about my dreams and all that. Oh, man. It, this song. And when that big riff kicks in. Oh, this song is amazing. And, you know, when the album came out, uh, what Maiden did as a promotional, you know, making a website, who is Benjamin Brieg and all this stuff. And like making it like they were really trying to figure out who this random person was. They found his diary or something. I don't know what it was, but, uh, Oh yeah, this song it's from my personal favorite Iron Maiden album, uh, the matter of life and death. And man, I just, I just love it. The song's amazing. Uh, the album's amazing. And the fact that we agreed on it is also amazing. <laughs> It is, yeah, and I think if we were like, you know, forget about um, the, the criteria that we're using, like, you know, epic songs that have to be more than seven minutes, or epic songs that Bruce Dickinson sang on, or epic songs that Dave mm-hmm. Murray wrote. I think by by any measure, if you look at the entire like six trillion year history of Iron Maiden, um, <laughs> I, I think I think Benjamin Brieg is is up there. I think I think it's oh, it's, yeah. it's just totally undeniable. It it could go. It can go toe-to-toe with The Trooper. It can go toe-to-toe with Brave New World. It can go toe-to-toe with Hallowed Be Thy Name. I, I, I really – it's just a fantastic song. And, and you know, to, to be doing it at that point in their career when most yes. other are – you know, most other bands would be like, oh, I think we'll do an Unplugged or we'll do a cover versions album or we'll just do an album which is not going to upset a radio programmer. Sure, um, sure. And, and Iron Maiden are just totally – disinterested in doing anything like that so they'll put out benjamin brieg um they, they, you know they put it out as a single and it's like you know it's never gonna get any airplay it's way too long um, right and you know well we don't care because we're iron maiden and you know screw you <laughs> yeah and i i have to say also it do you think it would we would have to call it a matter of life and death that we got this one <laughs> together <laughs> we have to we have to so now though now is where it gets really, uh, I think now's where it's going to get, um, now, now maybe where's, you know, maybe we're going to have to quit singing Kumbaya and holding hands and singing songs <laughs> around a campfire, Bruno. We're going to get, we're going to get into the serious bit here where, where we're going to be trying to throw each other into the campfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if so, I, if, if I'm right, if, if I'm right and I'm, I'm uh, I've said this now a couple of times, so I'm going to be disappointed if I'm wrong, but, I I think I I think there's a pretty good chance that you're going to um, bring up peace of mind, and I think there's an outside chance that you're going to bring up Seventh Son as well. And so, you know, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how this one plays out. Okay, well, well let's, we're going to find out right now. So I'll let you start, Bruno, with uh, and we got we we are doing okay. And for anyone that hasn't been paying attention or hasn't ever heard me and you on an episode together. What we do is we usually rank the best of something, which we just did. And then we're going to go in here and we're going to rank 
eh, what I like to call the least best. Because even, I'll admit, even a lot of these songs that I'm going to bring up here, the five that I'll bring up, I don't hate any of them. Well, maybe maybe one. Um, but the other ones I really like, and my reasoning is usually kind of generic and stupid, which I know you'll agree with. But <laughs> but we're going to get into what our least best songs co-written or written by Dave Murray are. So, Bruno, I'll let you start out here with what is your number five least best? My number five is um, the new song that they put on the compilation Best of the Beast in 96. And uh, we, we, we did mention it earlier in the episode, and it's Virus, which is oh. uh, Steve, Yannick, Dave, and Blaze. And, yeah, um, I this is the only one on my top five where I kind of agree with you where it's, it's not a bad song. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's very ordinary. Um, and I think my main grievance against this is because it's quite ordinary. It's much too long. Um, I think it, I think it's nearly six minutes long and that, mm-hmm. that, that quiet intro section, um, and the quiet intro section is actually quite good, but it goes on for like two minutes and he keeps repeating and it, it doesn't mm. need to. And I think if they just like, uh, again, this is where you kind of need a Martin Birch. Uh, I actually yeah. don't know who produced Virus. I've, I've a feeling they may possibly have produced it themselves, but yeah. they, they kind of needed a producer saying, yeah, this is okay, but it doesn't need to go on for six minutes. Do it in three minutes and it would actually be good and i i kind of think i i was when i was looking it up to because i um best of the beast was if i remember correctly it was released in a couple of different permutations and i have a feeling that it's not on the version that i've got and um and but they've never put it out on anything else it's not on spotify and it's not on itunes although for some Hmm. weird reason the video is on itunes but the song isn't so I can only assume that unless there's some kind of weird licensing thing going on, that maybe Iron Maiden have decided that's actually not a great song and we don't want it out there. Um, Interesting. I, I could be completely off about that. I, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah. What I would say, because I want to try and be positive and I want to not be seen to be bashing Blaze all the time, I would say Blaze Bailey is really good on this song. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's, I think I think he wrote the lyrics rather than Steve, so maybe he he was more comfortable singing his own lyrics than singing um, Steve Harris lyrics. I, mean, I was reading a quote from Bruce, who was, uh, and Bruce was being very complimentary about Blaze, and he was saying, you know, I Bruce had a tough time singing Steve Harris lyrics, and they mm-hmm. were written for me, and here's Blaze trying to sing that stuff. So if Blaze ever struggled with those lyrics, then you know those are hard lyrics to sing, man. Um, yeah. So yeah, for, for, as as a Blaze song, Virus, that's fine, and I think he plays it in his solo shows. But in terms of like Best of the Beast, nowhere close. Yeah, I um, I, the video. I wanted to say the video is pretty bizarre too. Have you seen the video? <laughs> I have. Weird. It's kind of, yeah, it's it's like yeah, it's where they're trying to be mean. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like the like kisses unholy video where it's like okay, well we've seen you know all those grunge era, era videos where everyone's like in a room and they're playing you know drop tune guitars or whatever and and leering into the camera. So yeah, I I don't think it's bad. I mean, it's you know I, God knows it's better than holy smoke. So. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I, I'm not going to get into that argument here with you. I do like Holy Smoke, even though it's kind of goofy. It's, it's one of the happy songs that I like by Iron Maiden. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the video. It's weird. One of the weirdest things about the video to me is there's a bit where they show like each one of these guys' faces: uh, Dave Murray, Yannick Gers, Nico McBrain, and when they show them, they're actually mouthing the words to the song. That's something you never see. You never see Yannick or Dave. You know, you always see Steve doing it. You know, he's always singing along, but you never see them doing it. So I thought that was pretty interesting to see in the video. Am I right in thinking, like, I could be imagining this. Nico's not in it, is it? It's, it's just the four guys. And No, no, no. Nico's in it. Nico's in the it, video. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, this, is, this didn't make my list. I do like this song, though. I, I don't hate it. It's not, obviously, it's not, like, top tier, but I don't mind it. I don't mind it too much. Um, my, you know, and I, I started mine with, uh, obviously number five is, uh, I, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of order on a couple of these, like the bottom couple, yeah, they could be, you know, my number five and number four could be swapped. I'm sure, I'm sure in your mind, you could, you know, you might want to rearrange my face when I mentioned my bottom ones here. Um, and you know, you've kind of taken all the fun out of it because you've basically named the ones I'm going to put in here. So, uh, absolutely. <laughs> my number five. Maybe my number five will give you peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, you've surely got to accept that, like, you know, in, in the same way as I'm the only Iron Maiden fan on the planet who thinks that Somewhere in Time sucks. Like, should, like, have you ever, ever met anyone else other than you who doesn't like Still Life? I don't know. I don't know. And, and I'll be honest, like, like you, when you said all that a minute ago, I was like, they're all good points. I, I don't think it's a terrible song, but it's just not one I like as much, but that whole, that, and look, so that's what, that's what I wrote down for my reasoning. That line right there will give me peace of mind. It just sounds stupid, contrived, just no, 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 no. That I mean, line. So that, that line, you think that line in the song fits? I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean that that's that was one of the examples of the great production that I was talking about and I, I kind of oh. think Yeah, I mean if if they did a tour like like say they they abandoned this whole really sucky somewhere in time sinjutsu thing and oh. and they said all right, well we're going to play I don't know Brave New World of Peace of Mind or and Peace of Mind and like uh -huh. they, they they play still life and you're sitting like and you're sitting down with your arms crossed and you're really frowning and you're like well why can't you play something really good like sun and steel or quest for fire like why do you have to play this song and like seventeen thousand people are like going mental because they love that song so yeah i, th I think this is a definite case for for call out the the iron maiden zone shrink because like we've got a terminal case here i'd rather hear senjutsu <sighs> <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen them play this live. I don't mind hearing it. It doesn't. It's not like I would. I, I know. I know you're overstating for dramatic effect, but I, I wouldn't be crossing my arms. I'd probably be kind of mumbling along with it, being like, "Not But that that to me that will give me peace of mind. I'm I'm thinking that you know Martin Birch was like, "Hey guys, I got to run to the bathroom real quick," and then you know one of the guys, maybe Nico, ran in there and started messing with the knobs on. Will give me peace of mind. <laughs> No, I love uh, it. Uh, uh, yeah. It's 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 not a least favorite. I mean, is it here? Let's let's just you know what? Let's see. Let me go through that album really fast because you know, I know uh, maybe this will make you feel a little better if I go through peace of mind and just tell you which songs I pref I don't prefer 
to that song because I mean, you know, it's, it is a fan favorite. I think you're right. I think I'm like, as you are with somewhere in time, I am with this. Um, I would say, let me find a song. I like less than still life. Uh, quest for fire. Um, uh, I like, I like quest for fire less. Um, I like every other song more other than quest for fire. So it would be number eight out of nine on the album for me. I think <sighs> maybe, maybe I would put die with your boots on uh lower than quest for uh, than still life. I don't know. What? <laughs> I mean, this is like, this is like, it's, it's like when, when, when you, you, you're standing at a bus stop and there's like some guy who's just like, kind of like mumbling to himself and, and you, you have to wait there because you're waiting for the bus. <laughs> And you're just thinking, like, don't make eye contact because this is clearly a crazy person and he's going to start telling me that that Still Life is not a good song and that Die With Your Boots On is not a good song. And you're like, please, like, and, and then, like, it, it comes up that the bus is five minutes late and you're like, oh, God, I'm going to have to have a conversation with this guy and he's probably going to start, like, urinating on me or something. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, he's been drinking way too much Fireball and he's just... He's barely making sense at this point. It's like deja vu all over again, right? <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. All right, so let's uh, let's move on here. So this is number. That's my number five, uh, which obviously um, I'm I'm gonna just based on your reaction, I'm gonna say you disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wasn't that your number two? <laughs> my number four, you mean? Number four. Okay, okay. That was your number four top songs. Okay, so. Yeah, so Number four. What is your num- What is your number four on this list? My number four on this list. Um, yeah, I always feel bad because in these sections, I always end up giving a kicking to the Blaze era, and you know, I've got I've got to preface it by saying there's great songs in the Blaze era. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lightning, Clansman, uh, even Sign of the Cross, which I don't like, but I acknowledge the importance of. You know, this this there are some good songs and. People, including myself, definitely, you know, should give those albums a second chance. However, uh, my number four is from Virtual Eleven, and it's uh, Dave, Blaze, and Steve can take the blame for this one. It's When Two Worlds Collide. Um, uh, Steve said Dave wrote most of the music and Blaze wrote the lyrics, which, as far as I'm concerned, is just shifting the blame for a terrible song. Um Again, it's an, another problem where it's it's way too long. It's six minutes long. If it wasn't, I would say it was an okay filler, but it is six minutes, and it just ends up, it's like a collection of Iron Maiden cliches. Um, there's some pretty tasty uh, guitar solos in the middle, but mm-hmm. you could say about a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of very average Maiden songs with good guitar solos, and, and Agreed. where this one really tips over the edge it pads out the song with two of our least favorite things repeating the song title over and over again and then as if that wasn't bad enough it's got a whoa whoa bit oh i like that um so like if if i could really damn this with like a statement that you would understand i I would say it's like the blaze era version of heaven can wait and that's never going to be a good thing yeah you're talking about the Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's the bit that kept me from putting it in the bottom five. So, 
there, there's a different there's a different song from that album that I have in here, uh, and that whoa whoa part was like ah, I like that I like that but I, I don't hate any of that I, I'm really a fan of Virtual Eleven I I don't the worst song on that album was written by Steve Harris alone, um, but you know it's it's not the greatest album obviously but it was a time when Iron Maiden was like they were kind of finding themselves again and trying to get back somewhere and like, they were close to going off a cliff at that point I think but. You know, they were trying to keep, there's a lot, you know, I would love a documentary on the making of that album and what was really, really, really going on in everybody's heads and stuff. We'll never get it because there's a certain part of me that feels like, and, and I've never heard anyone say this anywhere. And I can't imagine that this would be accurate when I say it, but there's a part of me that wonders if there was a little bit of self-sabotage in there by Steve. I wonder if he was going for. Let let's make an album that's not nearly as good as our past, and maybe it'll trigger Bruce. You know, I don't know. But then I don't feel like Steve Harris is that kind of person at all. I feel like maybe Steve Harris just wasn't in a good place. Maybe the there's a lot of factors that played in. I don't know. You know, but yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. They were just kind of they were in disarray and they were finding. Their, I mean, what would be? I I think you you may have even touched on this in the past, and I apologize if you haven't. I simply haven't heard it, but. Yeah. You, I, I, between those two albums, you, you could come up with one pretty good, bordering on very good album. And I think maybe if there had been just one Blaze era album, which was the best of um, of those two, then maybe we would be talking about it in the same way as you know most people um, are pretty. Most people that have heard the John Karabi Motley Crue album. <laughs> Are, are, are pretty enthusiastic about it because, by and large, it's it's a it's a it's a good album and it's certainly better than a couple of uh, of the Vince Neil albums. You know, I, I would I would take that self-titled Karabi album over, and, and and I say this as a huge Motley fan, but I would take that Karabi album over definitely over Theatre of Pain and possibly over um, Generation Swine as well. Um, so. And it's just that one album, which is an anomaly. So there's, I, I think there's enough on those two albums to make one really solid Blaze era album, but there's not enough, unfortunately, for two. I, like I said, I, I enjoy if, if I really hunker down and put Virtual Eleven on, I enjoy a lot of it. I really like listening. It's not is it is it is it top? Is it like uh, the Evil That Men Do level? Nah. But it's it's a fantastic. It's got some good stuff on it. So, uh, so my number four. Uh, what what album was uh, the Evil That Men Do on? What was that from? Is that Seventh Son? Seventh Son, oh. yeah. Oh, let's 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 just stick with that. Let's just stick with Seventh Son here. Um, oh no! <laughs> you I knew mean, this was. I, I knew this was coming, and I, I I should preface it by saying that because I think I think you're going to catch some flack from this, but. I, I actually agree with you. So yeah, go ah, ahead. There we go. Um, I think this is another one of those songs where musically it's really, really good musically and on an album as amazing, you know, Moonchild, infinite dreams, the evil that men do the title track, you know, the prophecy that was given by me and you today <laughs> is <laughs> that not everything is, you know, Roses, you know, there's a thin, there's a thin line between something, something good and something bad. And this, I wouldn't say that I think this is bad, 
Because sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, this isn't really, you know, I, I'll enjoy it. I don't hate it. I don't skip it. But that melody, it's it's nothing to do with the music. It's that, now that I know that the right time has come, my prediction will surely be true. I don't like that melody at all. I, I think that melody ruins the song. Um, the lyrics aren't bad. The, the music's not bad, but that melody is bad. So for that reason, uh, I have put the prophecy here. I mean, I don't have a lot bad to say about it. I, I love some, uh, Seventh Son as an album. So, but for that reason, there I got the prophecy here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not putting it in my top five, but I actually agree with everything you've just said. Um, and uh, I, 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 I do think I think this, this is another one of those songs where, um, where, where Bruce kind of saves it. Um, like there's there's a few examples of songs that I don't like. I mean, the really obvious one would be "To Tame a Land," and I and even even Alexander the Great. Um, you know, as you know, I despise those songs, but I think Bruce <laughs> Bruce does a fantastic job on them, and and I, I feel the same about this. The, the kind of irritating aspect of of this is that um, uh, you you you, would, you talked earlier in the show about um, Dave Murray songs have a like you know they tend to have that really beautiful soft intros and in this mm -hmm. case uh, he puts it at the end and that yeah. the the acoustic outro of the prophecy is really beautiful it's absolutely it, lovely and it's totally it um I, I can't think of another instance where they've done something like that and you kind of think uh if if they developed that aspect of it more and made it the basis of the song then you know i don't think we'd be putting the prophecy anywhere near a, a list of the worst ones um but you it, it's really tantalizing because you just get like a few seconds and then it fades out um and right. um but yeah no i i, I it, it's not bottom five for me but i do agree with him well i but I, I will say in our agreement i disagree because i think bruce is what ruins the song <laughs> okay you know, well, that, I, i'm gonna the chorus beat you, you know up. that chorus bit where he's like you know Compressing pain, no, 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 oh, yeah. like that whole, that whole. But even when he gets to that, I had their life in my hands and all that wailing he does. I just, mm, I don't know that he wrote. I don't know if if, if um, Steve wrote the melodies on that, and that's just what Bruce had to sing. But you know, Bruce can work with anything, and I just, I just don't like what he did there. So I, I know we disagree on that, but that's and that's fine. So uh, I think I have another one we're going to disagree with next. So <laughs> what do you have at number three? <laughs> Uh, number three. Um, well, fortunately, the, the, this is the last time I'm going to put a kicking into the Blaze era. Um, oh and um, uh, you might say I'm being a bit unfair because it's a B-side. It's uh, Justice of the Peace, which is uh, Dave and Steve. And it, I mean, it's, it's tempting to say that when you're talking about track three, on a CD single from the Blaze era, you're not exactly going to be talking about the cream of the crop in the Iron Maiden catalog. <laughs> yeah. But in fact, actually, that wouldn't be fair because track three on the first Man of the Edge CD single was Judgment Day, which is a great song, and um, and Judgment Day should definitely have been on the X Factor. Um, but by the time you get to track three on the second Man of the Edge single, you're about as far from the cream as uh, cream of the crop as you can get. The the yeah. mu the music on um, on Justice of the Peace it's just it's bog standard Iron Maiden. The lyrics are <laughs> atrocious, and uh, and yep, it's one of those Steve Harris songs where he drives the chorus into the ground. Hmm. Uh, so you you if you were being generous, you could say, well, it's not Dave's fault that the song is so bad. 
but Dave Murray's name is on it, so into the trash heap it goes. <laughs> now, this is going to be one song where I can't disagree with you because I just haven't really I don't, I've only heard that song a couple of times in my life and I don't really even recollect it at this point. So and I, I wanted and I, I really wanted to just kind of focus on album songs. So I thought like you kind of you kind of mentioned it there when you said it, like to pick the third song on a beat that's a B side of a single and it's the second B side, you know, the second set of it. So, yeah, so, so I, I, I'm going to say that Bruno, I, I can't disagree with you there. <laughs> have you, have you, have you listened to judgment day enough to have an opinion on that one? Cause that's, a really I haven't. Good. Yeah, I haven't. I need to, I haven't, I know, uh, I don't know if you listen to Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast, but I know he's going to be, he's going to be reviewing those songs in his X factor series. So I, I'm really looking forward to kind of uh, seeing what he says about them and playing them and listening to along, listening along and, uh, just kind of seeing if I have any kind of a change there. So. Yeah, I, I would really like like Justice of the Peace. Like no, no it, like if you if you've never heard that, then just be thankful and get on with your life. Um, but if you haven't heard Judgment Day, then uh, it's it, that that one. Uh, it, it is on Spotify because I think it's on like a, a best of the B sides album or something, and it's it's really really good. So yeah, okay, check that out. Okay, so now we're gonna go back in time, way back in time to the very first song. And actually, even though there's uh, I've read and I can't remember the exacts of this, but I know I've read that there were more people involved in this song than just Dave, but because those people I don't think made the final cut for the first Iron Maiden album, their names are not listed. They must've gotten paid off way back in the day. Whenever they could probably get paid off for, a you know, Hey, here's 50 bucks and a few beers or something. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, Charlotte the Harlot is a song that uh, I I like it. You know, they did it in '88 with Bruce, and that was my introduction to it. I think when I first heard it, I like it there. I, it's you know the lyrics are bad. Uh, musically, I don't mind the song. There's some really you know there's a bit in the song where the music gets really mellow, and he says, "There was a time when you left me standing there, picking up pieces of love from the floor." And it's really, really, really pretty. That whole bit there is awesome. And and so musically, I don't dislike this song, but you know, lyrically it's just, it's just not good. So uh, this is where I say, I don't hate this song, but yeah, it's definitely not one that you're going to, you know, put in your top Dave Murray co-written songs or written songs. So. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I mean, I, I rate it higher than you do because I'm a fan of the Diano era like more than more than you are but i i, I do i do agree with you but the, the, um you, you mentioned it just now they re-recorded it in ata and i listened mm -hmm. to that the other day and um i i was kind of thinking all oh, right well they you know they, they're re-recording it eight years later with a different song they, they all have like totally reinvented it but they they don't it, it it sounds yeah it sounds exactly the same but with bruce singing it and he gets a bit kind of zeppelin-y at the end of the slow section but I, I actually have no idea why they did that, unless it was to give Dave some additional publishing money. I, I can't, yeah. I can't. What motivated them to do that? Because they weren't playing it live, as far as I know, and they don't do anything interesting with it. So it's, it's a slightly baffling choice. I have, I have a little bit of commentary on this. There's a, they did a series of re-releasing their singles in the, after Seventh Son was out. Between yeah. Seventh Son and No Prayer. And I was listening the other day, I, I, and I've never done this, but I 
there's at the end of each one of the singles, there's 10 of them. They have a, about a eight or 10 minute bit of Nico talking about stuff, you know, and being goofy and telling jokes that if they were to come out nowadays, you know, they'd be trying to cancel Iron Maiden jokes, if I can say it that way. Um, but he talks about when they re-recorded that, and he said that at the time they were talking about re-recording the entire album. All right. That, with Brute, which I would have loved that. I would, because I felt like it would have just been that whole album with Martin Birch, you know, producing it and with Bruce on, you know, and Bruce on it, it you know, Adrian would have been on it. Cause you know, Adrian was their first choice as, you know, guitar player back then. He just wasn't going to have it. But so they talked about that. He talked about that. They had recorded obviously Charlotte and they recorded Prowler as well. Uh, and that they had talked about doing the whole album. And I, I so wish they would have, they just never did. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what, I think that's what they were, what the thought was, was like, let's just record a couple of these songs and then, and then later we'll record a couple more and then maybe we'll end up with a whole album of them and, or maybe they were going to, but they just, it just never happened. I wish it would have. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like, even though earlier on I was talking about bands that have been going for as long as they have kind of running out of inspiration and doing covers albums or unplugged and stuff. So I guess. Right. Right. I mean, if if they had gone through with that plan, then maybe I would be criticizing it. But actually, <laughs> um, yeah. But again, I you know, if if they were going to do that, um, and and I agree with you that it would have been interesting, and certainly for people like you who prefer Bruce to Paul, then mm-hmm. uh, then I I guess I can understand the appeal of it. But but even so, I. <laughs> You know, you still kind of think, oh, I wonder why they didn't tink it a bit more because, like, like even the tone of the guitars at the start sounds yeah. exactly the same. So it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a bit odd. But uh, I was actually going to ask you, like, there's there's four there's four Charlotte the Harlot songs. There's Charlotte the Harlot itself, Twenty Two Acacia Avenue, Hooks in You, and From Here to Eternity. So that's uh-huh. t- that's that's at least two of your least favorite um maiden songs because i know you don't like from here to eternity either so if you if you had to choose a favorite charlotte song which one would you choose oh, that's easy man there's only uh, there's only one good one <laughs> 22, <laughs> 22. Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah. hooks in you is a terrible song as well so i know i know there's some people out there that like it and it's just not one it's it's i'll say that is the worst co-write that Adrian Smith has in Iron Maiden hooks in you so put that in someone's pipe and smoke. And I'm sure there's somebody <laughs> out there that's hearing that, that I know, I know one person named Andrew that doesn't like that comment right there. So, so yeah, I, I just, it's a terrible song. It, you know, I, I actually, if I was ranking them, let me, let me see if I can rank them. I'll go. Obviously 22 Acacia Avenue is an amazing song. It's a, you know, lyrically it's a little, you know, it is what it is, but it's still, well-performed musically. It's awesome. Uh, if I was going number two, I'm going to go Charlotte. Number two, uh, number three. Oh God. Number three. I'll go. Yeah. That's actually isn't as hard as I thought. Number three, I'm going to go hooks in you. It's not a good song, but from here to eternity is just, uh, uh, dross bollocks. It's, um, uh, <laughs> it's terrible. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's to quote Matt's name. It's horse shite. <laughs> Yeah, so 
it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, it is what it is. So let's uh, let's see here. Where are we at? We're I'm, at I'm number. a little bit worried that you're you're about to get another message from your wife saying, "Why are you up there shouting bollocks?" <laughs> bollocks yeah, and exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so to quote, I'm going to quote Bruce Dickinson when I ask you for this next one. Uh, actually, it's I'm going to say it real quiet and then and say the word he's supposed to that I'm supposed to say. Number twenty two. <laughs> Number 22, (laughs) since we were just talking about Acacia Avenue. What is your number two, Bruno? Uh, My number two, and uh, again, it's another B-side, and um, it's it's so bad that it makes Justice of the Peace sound like Stairway to Heaven. Um, (laughs) It's it's Nodding Donkey Blues, which was the B-side of Be Quick or Be Dead. Um, And Be Quick or Be Dead is great, fantastic Mm -hmm. song. Um, sure. And uh, like, I, I can't imagine if I if I bought this at the time, I can't imagine how horrified. Actually, at the time, maybe I wouldn't have been horrified. It's because I'm listening to it as an adult. Um, yeah. Every single thing is wrong with Nodding Donkey Blues. It's a joke song, but it's not funny. It's a blues pastiche, but it's not done with any kind of love or affection for the blues. Yeah. And the, the the worst thing, and you can't really blame Dave for this, the lyrics are just offensively stupid. Um, <laughs> it's like an 11-year-old listened to a whole lot of Rosie and thought, oh, yeah, I can write something like that. Um, uh, the, the only reason I didn't rank this as the worst Dave Murray song is because it's a B-side and you're not supposed to take it seriously. But right. it, it's, it is, it's terrible. It's a real... It's a real like, you know, I was talking earlier that they seem to have wiped virus out of their history and they really should have wiped Nodding Donkey Blues out of their history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say it it says it's good that for you to pick out the worst songs of Dave Murray, you're having to go to B-sides. That says something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It does say something. Now, that's another one that I know I've heard it, but I don't remember it at all anymore. Uh, I just don't remember it. So, um that's probably, it sounds like from what you're saying, it sounds like a good thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, honestly, like if, if it was a choice between listening to Nodding Donkey Blues or listening to you rambling at a bus stop about why still life is no good, <laughs> I would I would pick you every time, my friend. I thought you were going to say, if it's between me listening to Nodding Donkey Blues or a donkey <laughs> out there going, <laughs> I'd rather listen to the donkey. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, uh, here's uh, okay. Uh, just re- since I did that, it reminds me of a joke. Um, it's a, from a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie, but there was a kid that was in a wheelchair. Uh, this is from the early eighties and it's something where there's a, wh- a wolf or a werewolf or something that chases the kid while he's in the wheelchair. I can't remember. I want to say Gary Busey's in the movie and he's the uncle of this kid. And um, the, Gary Busey is telling the joke and he's like, so these two guys, they go to a bar and uh, and there goes uh, the guy walks up. The bartender says, "Hey, jackass, what do you want to drink?" And he goes, uh, oh, "I'll have a beer." Blah 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 blah. And so he comes over after getting, "Hey, jackass, you want another drink?" Yeah, yeah. He goes, and he calls him that a few times, and his friends sitting there with him got going. God, why does this guy he keep letting him call him a jackass? And he's like, he's like, man, I, I got to ask you a question. He goes, why, "Why do you let him call you a jackass so much?" And he just goes, "Uh, he uh, he always calls me that." <laughs> stupid joke but it was from a movie I've, it's like one of those movies you see when you're a kid and it's just like you remember something random from it 
So I always remember that. I can't remember what the movie was though. Maybe someone can remember. There's a kid who's in a wheelchair. There's a there's a some kind of um, creature that's. I can't remember what happens, but uh, uh, I think it's Gary. It's either Gary Busey or probably Gary Busey, not Nick Nolte, because I always kind of got those two confused. But anyway, anyway, let's get uh, off that. <laughs> are, you, are you absolutely a hundred percent confident that this is not like a dream that you had after one night on the fireball, where you're like, like you know, because we've we've been talking about Elf, and now you're talking about some <laughs> random movie with Gary Busey and a werewolf chest chasing a kid in a wheelchair. They're like this. This totally sounds like something you might have dreamed. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. I'm trying to see if I can, uh, I'm trying to look it up on uh, YouTube right now, see if I can find the joke. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, if you're hearing me choking cause it, it, like this is, uh, you're actually, you're going to kill me, man. You're going to kill me. Like as, as if your crazy views on Iron Maiden weren't enough. Now you're talking about Elf and Gary Boosie and werewolves and wheelchairs and donkeys. <laughs> well, you know, we are on uh, the nodding donkey blues. So, yeah. uh, Okay, I'll find it while we're talking here. I'll find this. I'll find this somehow. Um, so my we're at, we're at number two. My number two. So this is uh, my one Blaze era mention, and it's also from Virtual Eleven. It's a song that I don't. Uh, I don't hate it. I listen to the album, and there's bits that I like about it. But you know, it's also. There's also time when you know uh, it's a little too much. So um, it's don't look to the eyes of a stranger. So the melodies on the song are not really great. The, the chorus is pretty rough. You know, it's that, you know, don't look to the eyes of a stranger kind of thing over and over. Like you said, how, how Harris likes to repeat stuff like that. There's a bit that I do like. But then what it leads to is not very good. It's, um, you know, there's a bit where he starts going, don't look to, don't look to, don't look to the eyes of a stranger. Um, and, you know, it, it, it builds and it builds, it builds really well. But the musical section that it comes to is just not, it's not fulfilling. You know, it's it's just uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, like- yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm I'm because Kirsty is going to be turning purple at this point. I I should say with, that I completely agree with you that it, that song sucks. But uh, but poor old Dave Murray, he he didn't write it. That was that's all Steve's fault. Oh God, dang! You're right. You're right. You know what? It's, you said that. Now that you say that, I do remember I wrote that on there, and and I realized it, and I was like, "Oh, I'll change that." And then we got on the phone, and I forgot to change it. Okay, so let's uh, let's go back to uh, what was I going to choose from that album? I I, I think I'll, I'll go with um, well, what am I going to choose? Let's see here. I got this. I'll go with, and I'm not going to be able to give any explanation because I don't have my notes written in here in it now. Uh, I'm going to go with uh. Lightning strikes twice because of that, the way the chorus kind of goes, even though I kind of like it, maybe lightning strikes twice, maybe lightning strikes twice. You know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's, yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not as prepared on this one here because I, I didn't write my little notes down. I don't, but like I said, I don't really skip much of anything. On, I don't skip the, anything on that album, even though uh, <laughs> the angel and the gambler is not really, a lot of fun, but I, I, I like that album. I just, you know, there we go. 
that's my that's my uh, half a cent pick. So I think I found the I think I found this joke. I think I might have found this joke. Let me let me see if I, I, I let me see here. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can. Do you hear that? Okay. It's, the The movie is called Silver Bullet. That's what the movie is called. So, I like just said, uh, hey. Can you imagine, like, imagine if this is the first episode of, of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone that someone's ever listened to, and they, they imagine if they've made it this far, and they're like, what yeah. is wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, we have a little fun with it, but I mean, it, you know, I mean, I think other than, other than a couple little things about Elf and Crosby, Stills, <laughs> I mean, what have they heard? They've heard American Dream, they've heard a quote from a movie, um, hopefully heard, if I can... They've heard uh, us pretending to be Paul Stanley. Uh, they've heard oh you pretending to be Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, it's it's all happening today, man. <laughs> yeah, we're all over here. That's good, though. That's good. It's good fun. So, um, all right. So now, now we're down to well, we're down to the number one. The I hate to call it the worst, but I'll go ahead and call this one the worst. The worst song that Dave Murray, not that he's played on, because obviously he's played on. You know, a lot of songs on Fear of the Dark that are worse than the next song I'm going to name. But what is your number one, the worst song that Dave Murray has ever co-written or written? Well, I'm so glad you led it in with that because, I mean, this is the worst. um, And I'm I'm not going to say that I like anything about this at all. Um, And uh, we, we, we actually talked about this song last year. And um, and I at, at the time when you and I spoke about it last time, I actually couldn't remember what it sounded like. So I said, <laughs> right, well, I'll listen to it. And if it turns out to be brilliant, I'll come back on your show and I'll say I was wrong. Well, <laughs> I did listen to it and it turns out I was totally right. Deja vu. It's just totally forgettable. <sighs> it is generic rubbish. Iron Maiden by numbers. Um, oh, if, it, if it was a B-side, if it was a B-side, I'd say uh, that's all right, boys. Don't worry about it. But as an album track, no way. Um, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing on Somewhere in Time, but it's still a throwaway. And at five, five minutes, like five minutes for a song that's like <laughs> so thin, it's like you know, if 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 they were in a bar and and one of them like was like. Oh yeah, we should write a song that's about deja vu and remembering stuff. And it's like you, you could have written that out on the back of a cigarette packet. And it's like, oh god, <laughs> like oh, all right. Also, I will make it a two and a half minute song. Don't make it five minutes. Um, oh, I mean, and, and, and then and then you've got and, and then as if it as if it couldn't get any worse. Then you've got to suffer Alexander the Great after that. And you've <laughs> you've, already, you've already had to like as you know you've, you've haven't you been punished enough with. Uh, What's the one before? Is it Stranger in a Strange Land, which is like is. the the worst Adrian Smith song in the history of Adrian Smith? <laughs> and um, oh no, oh. like there's there's no there's no response. Like, at least on side one of that album, as as atrocious as that album is, like side one, Wasted Years, Sea of Madness, yeah, boom boom, classic, yeah. good stuff. Then side two, just 
oh, long distance runner. Off. It's like it's like um, it's like they set themselves a challenge of like, let's put together a side of vinyl where every song is slightly worse than the last one. <laughs> And, and that's what they achieved. And like, if that's what they were going, like you were talking about, was 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 Steve self sabotaging on Virtual Eleven? And I'm pretty <sighs> sure it wasn't. But I could believe it on Somewhere in Time because there's there's no worse run of songs in the whole Maiden catalogue than that second half. Awful. Yeah, deja vu. It sucks. I was right about that. <laughs> oh, Bruno. I have to say that every episode we're on. Oh, Bruno. I. You know, I got to admit, for just a minute there, I totally forgot that I knew you were going to say Deja Vu is number one. <laughs> Golly. Like, the, your buildup, and I was like, oh. I was like, I was ready to, to start clapping. I was like, we're going to have the same number one. I can't believe this. And, <laughs> and, and also something I thought about during that is I feel like now I've discovered why you really want to be on my podcast. You want to be the one guy, this is your one moment to just be able to crap all over an album that disappointed you when you were about 14 years old. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel any better, and it's not going to make you feel better, because when I, te- when I tell you this, you're, you're going to be like, no, actually, this Bruno, this is where you need the services of the, uh, of the uh-huh. Iron Shrink. I, I did a whole episode, there's a, there's a Metallica podcast called Metallicast, and the host on that, like you, super nice guy, and he's very tolerant of stuff when I go off on the deep end. And uh-huh. he let me talk for about an hour about why I thought the Master of Puppets was boring. So, um, so <laughs> oh, it's, it's not it's not just it's not just you. It's not just Iron Maiden. It's not just somewhere in time. I've got you know I, I don't go out of my way to come up with these ideas. Um, I don't, I don't know what to blame it on. I, I I guess you could blame it on cold gin. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think now I've learned, I figured something else out. You know, there's, you know, I'm always trying to, you know, like a, like a, you know, shrink in real life. I'm trying to figure things out about you. And, you know, you talk to people, you hear them say things and you discover things about them. I think now I've discovered why you moved to such a remote part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get away because people wouldn't tolerate your opinions, but probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, I that's, think that's fair, actually. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. I mean, look, we all have opinions. I mean, whether we agree or disagree, I can, I can totally laugh and have fun with it because you back what you back up what you say. Although your facts are very skewed, you do back it up with some sort of fact. <laughs> so, I, I and I can't imagine you're going to disagree with my number one, even though uh, it's not deja vu. I know you've disagreed with just about everything I've said here, um, but. Here, my number one, you know, if you ask anybody, you know, name me the worst album Iron Maiden ever did with Bruce Dickinson. I mean, anybody that's honest with themselves and anybody that's not named Bruno McDonald is going to say Fear of the Dark. So my number one comes from Fear of the Dark, and I'm just double checking here to make sure that's the only option on here. No, he had two options on this album to choose from public enema number one is from uh, no prayer for the dying so yeah two options here both of his songs from fear of the dark made my list one was one of the best and one of them is the worst it's called chains of misery because it's misery to listen to that song you know the (laughs) the the, the, the song (laughs) the song starts out you know and it's 
like Bruce, you know, Bruce doesn't do any favors in this song. You know, the, the melodies that they start off with, because Bruce co-wrote this one. You know, he's like, there's a madman in the corner of your eye. He likes to pry, whatever. Guys, terrible melody. There is one very shining moment, as you pointed out earlier. Every Iron Maiden song usually has a brilliant moment in there somewhere, even if it's just a horse shite sandwich, you know? It's uh, a, <laughs> the, the, there'll be, there might be a little bit of meat. There might be a couple of pickles, you know, sandwiched in there. And the pickle in this song is. You know, there's a part where he says he he knows what love is. He wants to pay you back with guilt or something like that. And I like the way that sounds, but he lies to you. He won't let you be. He's got you. And then cue the gang vocals. Change of misery. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Gang vocals and Iron Maiden are two things that should not. What what? It's like they said. What's the song? Uh, and uh, it, Dave Mustaine says it. And, uh, I think it's Holy Wars. Two words combined that don't make sense, you know? Millet no, no, that's not the same song. That's, it's Hangar 18. Hangar 18, yeah. Military intelligence, gang vocals, and Iron Maiden. Two words combined that can't make sense. So <laughs> uh, you know, and they do it multiple times on that album. It's just it's not a good thing. Uh, and that's no fault of Dave Murray. I'm sure Dave Murray wasn't being like, Yeah, let's do let's do gang vocals. Let's do some gang vocals here, Bruce. So I'm I'm guessing that, you know. Steve Harris, or as as Nico kept calling him on that thing I was listening to, Ari Harris, you know, I'm sure he wasn't in the studio. I'm guessing that, uh, you know, this was the last album with, uh, uh, oh God, what's the producer's name? Uh, slipped my mind. Martin Birch. Martin Birch. This was Martin Birch's last album. I'm guessing that maybe the song before was Martin Birch's last song. He probably was out smoking a cigarette. He's like, hey, Steve, y'all can figure that one out. Steve was like, we talk about, I'm out here smoking with you. And then, you know, so Bruce was in the studio probably by himself. He's like, oh, you know what'll make this work? Some gang vocals. So, But the, the rich, weird thing is, uh, I, 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 I quite like that song, but I, I totally get where you're coming from. But the, the weird thing is, and we, we touched on this earlier, is that they were so out of step with, like, yeah. there's no, there's absolutely no way that, even in the Iron Maiden bubble, which, you know, Iron Maiden kind of throughout their career have like, by and large, they've ignored any prevailing trends, but they mm. couldn't possibly have ignored um, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, uh, well, Alice were not really big at that point, but, you know, grunge had definitely made an impact by the time they were making that album. So why did they think that at that point, <laughs> oh, let, let's do some ACDC style gang vocals because, uh, you know, everyone else, like, you know, whether it was, well, I guess the, the most successful ones would be Cinderella. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Cinderella, who, who, who ripped off ACDC really well, you know, they were doing it four years beforehand. So it's like if you were going to start very belatedly in your career stealing ideas from ACDC, why were you doing it in 1992? It's just bizarre. But um yeah. Yeah, I, I like I said. Yeah, I quite like Chains of Misery, but I can't. Really, I can't really argue. Okay, I do have to correct one point you just made though, because Allison Chains was really, really big at this point. So uh, they were they were huge in ninety because you know Facelift came out in eighty nine, uh, Dirt came out in ninety. I believe Dirt came out in ninety two. So it was they were they were really they were really moving and shaking. They were actually. A little before Nirvana at the time, so but Nirvana, yeah, Nirvana had blown the the lid off the thing. So, 
Yeah, it took um, it. Yeah, so I know we're going into Uncle Steve's Alice in Chain zone here. It, it took them, it took them a little while longer for, like Nirvana hit pretty instantly, and and Pearl Jam didn't take long. It, uh, Alice in Chains yeah. it took a little while longer to get to Britain. So okay, that uh, might be it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. But man, I think we have accomplished it here, man. We we have ranked all of the Dave Murray songs. From you know, not all of them, but we uh, the top eleven, the Spinal Tap eleven, and the bottom five. This would be another fun thing to do with, because I know Adrian Smith has a lot more co-writes. I know Steve Harris has them. I mean, we've done a little bit of this in the past, but I find that a lot of people don't dig as deep into the episodes. They don't go like you know way way back, and if they try to catch up, they're like, man, some of these episodes are or three hours long. Who's this Bruno McDonald guy that keeps, you know, making me have to listen for three and a half hours. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's, a uh, it, either way, it's, it's fun. It, it's like, I think I, I think I said to you, uh, recently, it's always fun. It's any excuse to sit around and, and talk about the music that we grew up loving and the music that we still love. So, um, I think with all that said, man, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on here and do this again and spending, tell your wife and your mom, thank you for letting me borrow you. And uh, it's always, it's always a fun time chatting with Bruno. Yeah. Likewise, man. And I, 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 I can only apologize to your wife for, for like, you know, encouraging you to start shouting so early on a Sunday morning. And um, yeah, like, you know, if, if she's if she ever makes it to the Western Cape of South Africa, then I'm gonna like you know, pay for her to have like a really good spa afternoon or something, and, and both <laughs> yeah. of our wives can just sort of sit there with like cucumber over their eyes and like you know people fanning them and bringing them cocktails, and they're for like for two hours they don't have to listen to anything about Iron Maiden, they don't have to listen <laughs> to their idiot husbands like arguing with each other about stuff that doesn't matter. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. So I say thank you to your wife and and your family and and as always I say thank you to you because um, yeah I, I, it's such a pleasure to talk to you and it's such a pleasure to like really dig into the Maiden catalogue and have a reason to kind of like listen to it with fresh ears and not just to, not just assume that you know Prayer for the Dying sucks or the Blaze era album suck it's like I, let's actually listen to this and like dig up like what is the good stuff and what is the bad stuff and right, e- right. even you know even when your conclusions are completely wrong and bizarre um <laughs> yeah it's 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 really interesting and I'm I'm so glad that you provide us you know you work so hard um to to put this podcast together and I know how much work you put into it and how much love and dedication you put into it and it's just it's just a pleasure so thank you very much Absolutely. Thank you, man. Thank you. Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Aim. Always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing 
When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. Always look on the bright side of life. Come on. Always look on the bright side of life. For life is quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Life's a piece of sh when you look at it. Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. Come on, Brian, cheer up. It's available in the foyer. Some of us might live as well, you know. Bernie, I said, they'll never make that money back. 